So, spoiler alert, Khaleesi flies in on our dragon and kills all the Skywalkers. <laughs> okay, so, we have just finished training, and we are joined with Tristan, who... Tristan, tell us your story. <laughs> My story. Like, how uh, do, like, I feel like you trained before... And then you took some time off, and now you're training regularly yeah. again. Yes, you're like I was, the oldest, newest member, right? Or, yeah, like you had a gi that I'm, I'm one of the people that the black belts tell stories about that uh, started as a white belt, went for about six months, and then quit for about twelve years, and then came back. Uh, and, but you, I was, and you're not exaggerating when you say t- quit no, for twelve years. Yeah, I literally quit for twelve years, and not because I didn't want to train. It was just at the time I was broke and it was very expensive, and then you know got in a career and just decided to get really out of shape. Uh, and then uh, finally made it back and was lucky enough to uh, find Paul and this gym again and got to kind of pick up where I left off 12 years ago. So what was your first experience with ATT Orlando? Like, where were you, at what point did you join? Like, were you in college? Because, I mean, that was a while ago. You were probably um, in college, right? I think I was in college at the time. I was transitioning from, uh, yes. <laughs> essentially transitioning from dropping out of college and in going into a career, uh, which is what happened. So it's been... Uh, yeah, right about then I would have been working, like, uh, I think I was working at, as a cook or something at the time, so, you know, not a lot of money, trying to pay for school, uh, and then uh, after I got out, then I started my career where I'm at now, and uh, for some reason I just never made it back, and then I felt like I was too heavy at one point to come back to jujitsu. I didn't want to be the super fat guy in the gym, so then I kept saying, well, I'm going to lose some weight, and then I'll go back, and, you know, you know how that goes, so that was another however many years that took what um what got you into doing so did you join to do jiu-jitsu mma muay thai what was uh, i initially goal? started i actually tried taekwondo for about three months yes and uh then i did you say that to, just to, to like <laughs> to score brownie points with chris here <laughs> oh no and i'll tell you why because uh, it was absolutely horrible it was, i'm not gonna say the name of the gym but no, it no was, please do it was it was that victory martial arts over ah! there. yeah and Wait, uh, did you join because of danny abadi no, I just, I wanted a martial art and, you know, Taekwondo looks really cool from the outside. You're doing crazy kicks and stuff. And, it's athletic, you know, man. Like, it's just it, not yeah, a martial it looks, art. Yeah, it looks very uh, spectacular and useful from the outside, but uh, by like the, the 10th class or something where you're, you know, yelling at the air and breaking fake boards, I was like, I don't think this is my thing. Uh, so I transitioned from there into their Krav Maga class, which I actually did for about a year and that was actually a did lot better. Did you really? Yeah, I did Krav Maga for about a year. How many groin kicks did you drill in that amount of time? Say what? How many groin kicks did you drill? <laughs> we drilled we drilled a few <laughs> groin kicks. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, that was actually the first time the worst memory of that is that was the first time I actually took a full power leg kick with no pads or anything. And that just straight dropped me. And that's like the most vivid memory I have of Krav Maga. Uh, but they uh, changed instructors instructors, so then I got out of that and that's when I went over to ATT for the first time because I wanted to continue grappling. Um, and that, I think they were just the closest school to where I lived at the time. So which Publix Plaza was this Krav Maga school? That was, uh, where was that, Waterford Lakes, I think? Okay, oh, yeah. is it the one down there? It was, I think it's where like, Brass Tap, you, brass yeah, yeah, tap yeah, is now. Okay. Yeah. I think it's still there, actually. I think they moved it. It's in the same plaza, yeah, yeah. but in a different okay. place. Yeah. Cool. Well, I mean, shout out to them. You did, it, gets you, it got you started in the martial arts. It just wasn't for you. Yeah, I had good training there for about a year, and, and they had good people and a good training partner. Uh, another one of these big, huge athletic guys, and then it's just kind of a mix of like normal people like me, just working schmoes, uh, trying to get work in. Did you at at what point did you um, 
How did you transition into the let go of my purse and then like elbow them in the face? Like, was that a part of the curriculum? I, I don't remember stuff that's uh, that's like non-practical technique. I tend to forget very quickly. So all like the gun knife defense stuff. I don't oh, remember so any you, of that. Oh, so they actually legit did this stuff? Yeah, like they did all that TV? stuff. Yeah, the whole uh, you know grab whatever you have and stab them in the eye. They talk about all that stuff. Like it's a very, very wow. violence forward uh, like martial art. I mean, I, I'm I'm kind of familiar. Dangity dangity. No, but yeah, it's like, oh, looky what I have here. <laughs> yeah, I don't believe in an eye for an eye. I believe in two eyes but for an eye. But you said you wanted to continue grappling. So they yeah, actually Yeah, grappling was the grappling. part of that training that I enjoyed the most because okay. they did a little bit of like nogi style, you know, on the mat grappling and a little bit of submissions and stuff. Nice. Do you remember any of it that you used to this day? I don't even remember my first six months of jujitsu I did back then. I had to restart from zero when I came back. So you trained at um, ATT Orlando, the original, right? Dean right. University? Yep, that was back when they, uh, they made you buy a gi and you had to wear their patches and have those put on. And it was, yeah. And you still have that gameness. Gi Paul was a brown day. belt, I think, at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He was definitely slimmer. Did you, um, and you joined there to do just jujitsu or what? Uh, I started there doing no gi. And then uh, I got into, I was doing a little bit of like, they did more like a cardio kickboxing classes and stuff because back then I was fat too and trying to get in shape. So I think I was about 240 back then. Uh, so I was doing some of those classes and then uh, I, I saw him doing the gi and that's when I bought the gi and started doing really? that. Really? So you bit actually too. went from kickboxing to doing jujitsu? Yeah, well, I came and started doing no gi first. Oh, that's right. And then I was doing kickboxing at the same time and then threw in some jujitsu. Nice. And then how long did you train uh, before you decided to take that time off? Uh, I think I was there for about six months. Pretty, man, you almost yeah. reached the, you almost reached the point. Where, almost, although where I wasn't doing, I wasn't doing as much gi then. That was like my my third choice option. So I was doing more uh, no gi grappling and then kickboxing and then occasionally I do a jujitsu class. Which do you like the most now? Now I'm all about the gi. Are you? Oh, oh yeah, that's, that's my whole thing why, now. Why? Uh, mostly because I find no gi incredibly exhausting and I do my worst <laughs> ah, jujitsu when I'm very tired. To be over the age of 30. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do you, um, so what do you, uh, so you don't even do any kickboxing anymore, right? Uh, I started doing Muay Thai after I got my blue belt. I, I got back okay. to it a little bit. So I've done a few classes and we'll be getting back to it a little more, a little more frequently in Are the new year. Yeah. Okay. When's your first MMA fight then? Uh, never. <laughs> Why not? Uh, let me repeat that. Never. Uh, turns out I really hate getting punched in the face. I've learned that about myself. I want to start doing that in jiu-jitsu when we roll. I want to start, like, <laughs> open, that, pa open palm <laughs> strike. Hits, man. Like, that's Combat jiu-jitsu, baby. Yeah, dude. That's, uh, that's why we do it, right? So yeah, I thought Paul was going to start doing some of that during our, like, week of uh, self-defense jiu-jitsu that he occasionally does. Do you... So is your... Like, what is your ultimate training goal? Is it purely fitness? Is it uh, At this point, it's, it's purely fitness. Jiu-jitsu is the one thing I've been able to sort of consistently do. When I do it, it, it makes me come here and the training partners make you make me go harder than I normally would. So for me, it's just the perfect way to stay in shape. I, I get really bored running. I can't commit to lifting weights for more than three months at a time. Uh, but this is the thing so far that's kind of kept me coming back. And it's what I enjoy doing the most. So did you make a conscious effort to seek out Paul again? Or was it happenstance that you just happened to be in the area and then like... Uh, well, when I started looking... I mean, there's quite a few jiu-jitsu schools around here. But this one, again, happened to actually be the closest one to my house. And it actually just happened that Paul was still teaching here. Nice. So it just kind of really worked out well for me in that regard. When did you find out that Paul was the head instructor here? Uh, I, think, I think I initially just looked up, you know, BJJ in Orlando and started looking okay. through the gyms oh, really? and okay. where they were. Right. Yeah. So because when I, when I was going be before, there. there was like a, there's a Gracie gym around here. Yeah. There was a, a couple more. 
Uh, and then there was another, the other ATT school, which I almost went to because it's closer to my job because it's right there and behind Waterford. Um, Did you try a class there? No, I didn't. This is, I came here, I saw Paul was the coach, and I just stayed here. Nice. What do you love most about Paul? <laughs> oh, let me tell you about Paul. What, what, do, you, what do you love most? The beer is starting to hit. <laughs> I haven't eaten since the face seven, is starting to get red. Seven fifteen yesterday, ladies. I thought you had breakfast with your son. No, no, I said I prepared breakfast. Oh, I, so okay. I had to do breakfast. I didn't eat breakfast. I kind of figure Chris just starts every jujitsu class with like a point five alcohol level and then <laughs> like, just goes work my way that. up. <laughs> I, I've been told many times, actually, one, my, my original boss before I took his position, when he moved away, he, he's, like, I'm very, like, good at turning on, like, work Chris, and then, like, everybody else Chris, right? Like, and so the first time we, I'm very, like, straight edge, just professional at work, and then, like, our, uh, the owner of our company actually came to town and took us a lot to, to dinner, and had a couple beers in me, and my boss, Daniel, at the time was like, I love alcohol, Chris, so much better than regular, like, boring Chris. Like, you are so much cooler with a couple beers in you. I mean, it's just because, you know, at work, you got to be a certain way. And at the gym, you can be a certain way, too. So. And who doesn't love a guy that's more animated and smiley? Exactly. I mean, so who, so, question, Tristan, who smiles more, me or Mike Sahibi? Oh, I don't know. You guys are you guys will break the ribbon together. <laughs> Smiling the whole time. He's he's definitely like the uh have you ever seen that like most photogenic uh marathon runner guy where he's just like eh. <laughs> like that's definitely Mike Sahibi. So Tristan, what um you you recently did some travels, didn't you? Uh yes, I just did uh the BJJ Globetrotters trip in St. Barth's, uh that I heard and learned about from Noah and his uh Icelandic adventure. Yeah, so I'm in kind of intrigued because I feel like getting a little like that's why I want you to kind of go a little into more of like what your experience is like. But I feel like um, the camps had different identities. I think the location. I mean, if you're in Iceland, I don't know like how conducive that is to going to the beach. Yeah, sure I think you like, guys probably ended up doing a lot more training than yeah, we actually probably. did. <laughs> but yeah, so like um, what what I, I know that I had kind of like mentioned it, and you were like, oh, let me take a look at that. But from there, kind of walk us through. Um, what motivated your decision to go and then what it was like when you got there. All right. Uh, well, I, I heard about it from you obviously, and I had just started what last year or the year before kind of traveling abroad. I finally got to a place where I could afford to do that kind of stuff. So we had done a, a trip to Europe and I was starting to look for other places I could go. But anytime I travel anywhere, like I never want to get caught doing the, just the tourist stuff, walking around, taking bus tours or whatever. So I wanted to have a reason to go. And when you came back and talked about going to Iceland and getting to train jujitsu and it looked really cool from going on the website. And then I saw they had this camp at this fantastical island. Um, it looked like something to try. So that's what I did. Uh, me and one other guy from the gym, we went up there and, uh, you can name him. It's okay. It's cool. It's yeah. David Chico. 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 Yeah. Uh, and uh, it ended up being really cool and actually almost exactly like the picture. The The first day we went to that cliffside. Uh, was it really? Yeah. The, the, if you look, their picture for this camp is on a, a cliff. They put out a mat in the outside and it's overlooking the ocean. And they were rolling, doing jujitsu and drinking beer. And that's exactly what we did on the first day. I can and tell you that awesome. I was like on their Instagram after class and we were playing like Spot Chico and, yeah, and was, Tristan. I was, I was and they're yeah. like, oh, there's, there's Tristan. And yeah, we saw you up on, the, um, on that hilltop kind of just walking around with some people rolling. 
But yeah, it looked, it looked like the weather was phenomenal. It, it was. The whole, the whole trip was really nice. We spent probably a lot more time at the beach than the gym, especially considering it was, you know, it's uh, in the Caribbean and there's no air conditioning in that gym, so you could only really afford oh to God. do so much was training it? before you keel over. Uh, but we still had, we had good teachers. We had uh, good training roles. I tried to train at least twice a day, uh, but it's, I mean, you get tired fast in the humidity it, there. Was it an actual gym or was it just like a warehouse? No, it was, an actual, it was their actual local uh, BJJ gym. Uh, nice. I guess they also do Taekwondo and stuff there, but did you, yeah. Did you bust out some of the Taekwondo? Uh, no. <laughs> I think we drove them all out. The only people I saw training there were BJJ people. Uh, so who did you, like, what was the furthest reaches of people you met there? Uh, there was a lot of people from Iceland, uh, including one of my roommates and one of the black belt instructors there. Um, there was oh, a lot Bjorn? of people from Canada. Was it Bjorn? Yes, it was. Bjorn, yeah. I think it was Bjorn, but then the last names that kind of fade <laughs> into syllables. And I, I forgot. But yeah, a lot of really cool people uh, from sort of all over. Um, let's see, we had people from a lot of Iceland, a lot of Canada, a couple Estonia. Um, did you um, take the class with Pritt? I did, yes. I what was you very think looking of, forward to that. Yeah. He is exactly like he is on YouTube. <laughs> Just throwing he, out the okay. occasional awkward joke, and uh, he's, a good, he's a good teacher. Did he uh, say, if you, can't, if you can't avoid the cross base, your jiu-jitsu sucks? Uh, he didn't say that one, but he did give a few of the jujitsu. Yeah. A little bit of that. Yeah. <laughs> when did he become an Italian? <laughs> he does that occasionally. It's like when you're doing jujitsu and you're just, you know, muscling around, you do jujitsu with technique. That's his, his, uh, his little spiel. What was but, your biggest takeaway from um, all the learning you did? Um, I suck at surfing, I think, was my biggest revelation while I was over well, there. I mean, I didn't really like, where are you in surfing? Like, one stripe white belt? What? Uh, I think I'm a below. I don't think they've given me a white belt yet. I think you have to be able to stand on the board like once before student. they give you a white belt. <laughs> like, so did it like make you connect with the like jujitsu spirit though? Because like I know that's a big thing, right? Like you're not like a true jujitsu artist unless you surf also, right? Like isn't that like a part? <laughs> I, of I really hope that's not a rule because then I got no <laughs> yeah, hope no, for a purple belt. I black belt back. <laughs> if that's the case. Like, did you? Do, so is this your first time surfing? I've never. That was, no, that was definitely my first time surfing. Oh, okay. It was like surfing on an obstacle course because the beach we were at, like the only place with waves due to the time of year or the weather, was like over a, uh, a reef break. <laughs> so essentially, if you fall off the board, you're essentially dead. You're like on sea urchins and coral, and like one guy got his hand messed up from like putting his hand down on a sea oh, urchin. The break, you can't break fall. Man. Yeah, there's no you break fall. Okay, yeah. yeah. So but we that had means like he's a break falling wrong, exactly. Right? He there was like post. a 50 foot strip you could like actually surf on, and then everywhere else was like danger zone. Really? So, yeah. And uh, having never done it before, I never really appreciated just like how exhausting it is to continuously is really? like paddle around. Yeah. Because yeah, you, you, you're paddling out, up. you're half missing the wave, and then you got to start over. You got to swim across the current to go back. It's uh, it's very exhausting. So I know why those guys are in great shape now. So what was it like rolling with strangers? Yeah, like what's your like? What, did you was it was it a good calibration for you? That was actually the coolest part because, you know, you come here and you know everybody kind of knows the rules. You slap hands. Everybody's kind of cool. It's like everyone speaks the same language. You know, jujitsu, and you kind of expect that even going to gyms in Orlando or Florida or even the the U.S. But to show up and have people from all over with all kind of accents and all kind of experience to kind of show up to the same place and still immediately you fall into the same rhythms. You slap oh, really? hands, so it's, it's the like same language. Same culture? Yeah, I didn't have a problem going with anybody. Just people I'd never met before from across the world come right up to them, slap hands. We had great roles. I got a lot of great pictures of just me smiling with sweaty people after roles. Uh, a lot of really good people. I was surprised at the caliber of Blue Belt that showed up. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's just the more hardcore guys that do these camps or, or what, but... Uh, yeah, I had a lot of really 
solid roles with other blue belts and it yeah. was all kind of skill levels white belts blue belts a lot did of black you defend belts. the the gym's honor I did. <laughs> did I you defend so. the gym's I, honor? I think from between Chico and I, we held down the honor of, of Florida you, and the American top team. Uh, like those fucking Floridians, they don't know shit. <laughs> the, the, the black belts and brown belts may, may not be impressed with us. I'll say that up front. But I think I held my own against everyone else. Did you submit anybody? Name them. Nah, I, break the unbroken rule. I think I got one rear naked rule. choke on a guy who don't was say, a blue belt. I don't know his name. As a, you know who you are. I think... You, <laughs> You're listening. <laughs> <laughs> you know who you are. <laughs> did you did you learn? So what did, what did you learn? Like in terms of like what did you what did you like pick up any like, tips yeah, or like takeaways what, what cool from the jujitsu side? Um, or do you not want to a reveal lot of them? A, yet? a lot of the techniques you we actually did were, was stuff I, you know I already knew. There wasn't a lot of new stuff. I did the one uh, sickle sweep that I kind of hit yeah, on yeah, you yeah. today. That was actually yeah. the first thing from that camp that I hit on somebody. Nice. Did Bjorn teach that class? Fun class again. Did Bjorn teach that class? Yes, he did actually. Uh, yes, that was exactly the class that, that he taught. taught. He kind of yeah. taught that. Yeah, he, that, he does a cross sleeve thing. grip and then hook the yeah. leg and go over. Yeah, so uh, big shout out to Bjorn, man. You're, you're doing it, man. That was what he was teaching uh, in Iceland, or he he mentioned teaching that in Iceland as a variation of basically a shin on shin open guard kind of that he plays. Okay. Yep, so that was good. And then I took a lot of fun classes of stuff that I probably will never get to use. We did a, a wrist lock class Ooh, where you're like looping your belt around the wrist. Her, Unfortunately, I got a, a fat waist and a short belt, so that one's hard to do. But uh, I'm determined to get it on someone eventually. Um, a wrist lock? Yeah, wrist okay. lock. Off of what? So I can be looking. For uh, that's from closed guard and also from standing. Ooh, so he did a few different variations, and those are the two that I kind of still halfway remember. Did... Um, did you take a, a class with uh, Aaron Ross? I don't think so. I don't know if he was there. I'm wondering. No, I, I don't I think so. Did you, um, did you get time to sit down and talk to Christian at all? The guy, the head organizer? Uh, I didn't get to talk to Christian too much because he, he apparently also lives on the island, so yeah. he's doing a lot more running around. <laughs> so this uh, dude like, does jiu-jitsu and just like... Oh, no, he, he, he has a book. Um, I, don't, I haven't read it, but... He, he's basically a model of a guy. He's like a Danish dude. I don't know if he got his black belt before or after he started the Globetrotter thing. I want to say after. But basically, he was kind of disenchanted with the clickiness of a lot of jiu-jitsu gyms. And he wanted to be kind of a lifestyle, so he went on a long trip. He discovered himself on this walkabout, I guess. And he figured out that, hey, I can live in St. Bart's and teach and then go back to Denmark sometimes. But basically what he does is he runs these camps year-round, and in his downtime, he's in St. Bart's living and teaching at this gym. So this, is the ble- this is the BJJ Globetrotters guy? Yes. Yep. Awesome. So he's figured yeah. it out. And he, he also taught one class there, which was actually a very informative sort of conceptual class about keeping top position, which I actually found helpful. Uh, he had kind of a real different Reveal approach. Reveal the secrets. Reveal his secrets. He's got, he's got a numbering system for keeping yourself on top as far as keeping track of the limbs that you have isolated. Oh. Like You keep the head, uh, head moved to one side, you keep the near shoulder, you keep the near leg, you keep the far shoulder, the far leg. And then the number of those that you have sort of indicates how much control you have in the position. Uh, so I'm oh, sure Chris, I'm explaining Chris, it poorly. Chris is but like, it was a yes, barely, I like it. It I was like a very uh, like novel approach to that, to that position. Um, I like this. Do you, I mean, are you? And he did kill me in our one grappling match. He absolutely destroyed me. Yeah, did he yeah. like flutter? Like the Andre Galvao? It, like it was spinning it's, on his knees on top of your back and stuff. Yeah, he's one of those guys. that's just real frustrating because you never know. He's never in a standard position, and he feels like he's just floating on top of you, just sort of literally running circles around you as I'm, you know, they're panting and, and how many trying. minutes in before you punched him? 
<laughs> he's, he's too relaxed. You don't feel mad at the guy. He's just like, was he, he wearing, happens to was, be hovering around you. Was while you're he wearing his out. pink gi and his blue headgear? Uh, yes, there was definitely a pink gi and there was definitely headgear. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so did you, um, so did you find yourself like, cause you went with a, a, a gym member, right? Like the easiest thing to do is like hang out with them all the time, right? Like, did you, how much did you hang out with Chico there? How much did you go out and like meet other people and like go surfing with other people and stuff like how much and did you guys party a lot at night because i know that i know there's like a group that will go out every night uh i was not in the party group i was having a real hard time with the humidity and training like i was exhausted a lot of the time from what you're from florida i know and you'd think that would be better but the thing here is we have air conditioning everywhere i only have to experience humidity between this building and my car and my car and my house so over there it's like we had AC only where we slept and everywhere else was was nothing. Yeah. So you're just, and after training in the morning, you're just exhausted and doing a lot of walking around. What was the, what was the like, uh, laundry situation there? Uh, so they had a service come in. So uh, every night (laughs) you would just come and throw your laundry in a bag. They had a service come in and then they bring it back. Did anyone lose their gi? Oh yeah. That was like a constant thing of like, Oh, (laughs) someone took my A2 competition gi. I think you mixed it up with this one. Uh, but I think by the end, it, it mostly it, gotten so sorted out. Was like the laundry staff just walking around in A2 competition <laughs> geese? Like, what, what was happening Well, here? it's a lot of people, and they all were, like, <laughs> like, a lot of them were wearing the same, like, BJJ gi that you get there. So what happens, oh. you can order So there's, order like, a 20 gi. of those white geese. So, oh, I need to order that fucking America one. That's, that's, that's my, why you go with the Datsusara, people, because it's, oh, really? you're gonna it's more unique. America fuck your gi? Is that gone? I think it might be done. Because no. I think it was beginning of December. Well, I... Well, it wasn't that, but just go to bjjglobetiles.com and look at the American... The, the uh, Tristan, are you familiar with the America Fuck yeah, I am not familiar I mean, with I that. Thought, I don't think that's what it's called, but it's made out of, uh, it's made out of denim. It's a denim gi. Oh, with, no. Uh, yeah. No, thank you. And you can get it, you can get a sleeveless version. No, so I'll just like the walk outside in jeans and a jean jacket. It looks good, though. I mean, it looks legit. Way. Dude, I, I channel my fucking inner Bruce Springsteen with this gi. <laughs> so, like... Um, the fact I, that you even have an inner Bruce Springsteen is just hilarious to me. It's, I often forget that I'm not white. Let's just clarify. Um, <laughs> that, 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 wasn't even a, uh, that wasn't even an Asian joke. That was just a, this like, day and age, like, let's, who's, let's, who's let's, core reference As Preet would say, that's not a joke. That's not a joke. As Preet would say, that's not a joke. I'm Estonian. <laughs> but so, like, um, I, I, I have been known to have quite a few geese at the gym. So, like, I... I yeah, that's the award you win every year, the paper plate, most geese. I, that, actually, they need to create one because I would definitely win that every year. Um, but I think this might be the new one because like, I, I I'm proud of like, a quite, quite a few of my geese being very unique and stuff, and this might be the one that's going to get the most. The most. I, I got enough problems with my grip. I'm not going with a denim gee. That's just, that's just bad news for my have poor you, little have fingers. Have you felt my... Um, what, Tristan, what do you look for in a gee? Because you still wear that fucking gameness that's like 850 weave. I do. That's that, the like, one I wear when I want to frustrate grips because that's the one no one can grab, mostly because I shrank it to the point the sleeves are up to my elbows. But it's also that's the Javon special, that's man. <laughs> yeah, it's the Javon special. Yeah, that's, he's, no, Javon actually just makes more muscle inside the gear. He just flexes and then the whole thing slides up and you're like, <laughs> like he, he no, an it's, it's no longer available. You missed out, bro. That is accurate. That's yeah. like Mark with his skin-tight ripstop gi pants. And he's like, this is legal. This <laughs> is legal. Buy one. Um, <laughs> I could sell you one. <laughs> but You know why he does that? Because every time he sells like five or ten, he gets a free one. Does he? Yeah. It's like a punch card system. <laughs> is this confirmed? 
look at that gi. That's not a gi. That's a rash guard. But you missed that. Do, I don't even do no gi, and I'll do that. Well, oh God, no. Um, He's so, looking at an obnoxious. Sorry, I'm. I'm He's shopping. So, you know, so I you saw a quick study. jumping down that rabbit hole. I saw, I saw a study that Never. I think it was like up to like 80% of Americans look at a second screen when watching TV. I thought it was closer to like 100%. I know, right? And they're like looking shit up, like, but they're, they're on their phones while they're watching shit on TV. So, like, have you seen this guy? I don't, I don't know what his name is, but he's like an entrepreneur and he's like this. You know, because, like, the whole thing now is, like, people tend to embrace, like, the old. And, like, the old is always better, right? And he's like, fuck that, man. Like, I don't even, like, let my, like, I want my kids to get screen time. I don't limit that, right? Because that's the future. People sort of, like, latch onto the past. What, Tristan, do you feel is, like, where do you see jiu-jitsu going as, as a, a, a BJJ traveler at this point? Like, what do you, you want to focus on? What do you want to learn? What do you, you want to do? Oh, as far as BJJ is going, I don't think I'm qualified to answer that question. Yeah, absolutely, you uh, are, man. We, I say that all the time, and he's like, "You can have your opinion." Everybody's got their opinion. Everybody's got like what you want. What, what's intriguing to you about you, BJJ? Um, I mean, for me, BJJ is just it's just the best sort of combat sport for someone that doesn't like getting punched in the face. So agree, one hundred percent. I see growing that perspective. I also see like uh, I know here in Orlando they just started a like a BJJ club at UCF. Over there? No, it's actually um, a, a credit-earning class. Oh, it's a class? Yeah, yeah. It's so a, they okay. have a BJJ club. They did, did have a club. They, they okay. did have a club, and they still do. But now they actually have an accredited class okay. that you can take for credits. So, yeah, that's, that's what I mostly see now is that As becoming more of a lineage. thing in the high school As and college level. So I think it'll just be more widespread all around. Yeah, I'm wondering if it would ever be a collegiate sport. I think almost certainly. Like, I, think I that, mean, judo is not a collegiate sport, though. True. Well, not here, but don't they have it a lot overseas? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, they're like stadiums built. Apparently, just the U.S. is not big on judo, but a lot of other places are. I was just watching a bunch of the, the judo, the highlight, badass, judo highlights on YouTube. Yeah, that stuff's yeah, great to watch. Yeah, especially now that they've like implemented like a two-minute It also reinforces my desire to never train judo. Yeah, because like you value like your spine. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. but, they, but they, get, they, get, like, they get crash pads and stuff out. Like, yeah, but when <laughs> it still sucks to get oh, deep yeah, on, absolutely. man. Like, do you um what what's your favorite thing in jujitsu around? Like, what do you like to do? Uh, mostly uh, if I, if I'm on top, I'm usually just working that that crush pass. That's normally what I try to do. And on the bottom, I try to work a lot of knee shield these days. Just kind of basic stuff. Just trying to cement some sort of core game. So then when I I branch out, I have some, kind of a safe place to go. But uh, I'm still sort of nascent in my in my overall what technique was it, journey. What was it like? When you made the transition from white belt to blue belt, did anything change for you? Did you feel like the roles changed? <laughs> like people talk about like, oh, you get your blue belt and then suddenly. You got a huge target on your back? Yeah, like the, yeah, the, right. the restrictor plates are off that your opponents. Like they're like, oh, we can go hard with this guy now. That definitely. Xander's just drooling in the mouth every time he saw me after I got my blue belt. Like that was his But he's a lower life. belt though. I know. That's he's, exactly a belt. Why. he's a blue belt now, but he was a white belt at the time. Oh, okay. That's exactly. They always, they, they want to have that feather in their cap. Though. Oh, so you're yeah, saying they know the white you're the newest coming blue belt. Oh, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they know you're the newest blue belt, so they're like, oh, take that guy out, and that's how I get my... Well, Chris is feeling that with the brown belts. Oh, but yeah. <laughs> the brown belts like, are like, ooh, like, I'm going to try and have a black belt now. And you know, it's, a, and it's, it's like it's sort of like what Tommy said. Like, and I can't lie, I'm looking at the new purple belts the same way, so it's fine. Like, I don't fight my way out of stuff. Like, I don't, I value my limbs, I value my joints, and like, if I have to like tweak something to like, 
avoid getting tapped by like a white belt or a blue belt. I don't. I'll tap. I don't. No, I don't dude. Care, no, right? dude. Like, you let your you get your neck get cranked. No. And you just you just sit there. And then you can't drive. You can't look over your left shoulder yeah, you, for a you week gotta, while you you're to, driving. You got to do the Batman. But guess turn. what? You didn't tap. <laughs> Never tap to heel hooks. It's right there on the wall. Oh, what do you feel it. about heel hooks? Explain. I just run away screaming if anyone even grabs my feet. <laughs> me, I don't me even, too. I, I don't. I don't play around with that at all. I think Mark got me in a knee bar the other day. Or he was uh, just like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Are you listening? <laughs> yeah. The bully of the gym, as everyone's well known. He is definitely. But the no. he just got close to him. Like you get it. I'm. I'm done now. This is that's uh, it. I need to be able to stand up right. Just stomp on his taint. <laughs> Give him an oil check. Just stop with your heel. That's the, that's the knee bar defense. Then he'll text Johnson, punch you in the mouth. <laughs> so do you, uh, do you spend much time on YouTube looking at, at videos? Yeah, what's your, what's I, your I forcibly make myself do that less. I have a, oh, less. I have a few save videos that I review every once in a while relevant to things that I'm not telling you. That's my secret jujitsu. Uh, backlog. It's okay. Uh, but I try not, I used to spend just all day just on looking at videos, but it just screws you up. It just confuses me. And then I get confused oh, I in roles he, and end up getting uh, smashed, He's got, he's, so. he's probably, he's probably got the old Tommy passing, uh, lip, uh, lasso guard from the ATT Orlando playlist. <laughs> like, oh yeah. Definitely with that lasso music, guard. That's they always that live. same music. Where do you get that music? It's from like fair use like thing that he's, yeah, I saw all Paul's videos from like three years ago or whenever he stopped doing videos. The um, it, that's funny. So wh- that um, who who do you do you follow competitions and stuff? Like, what do you? Uh, the, I I watch highlights here and there and occasional gi matches. To be honest, I find watching professional gi matches kind of boring. Like, it's Ooh. just not as it's not as good. I'll watch no gi all day. It's much more. Will I love watching really? Tenth Planet stuff. I love watching Quintet. That's my favorite one. Quintet Ooh. is the best format like that's out there. Was basically like, <laughs> you like what? the 400 pound guy versus the 135 pound guy. Hey, occasionally that makes for a good match. It does. Man. It, it really does. Like it, the upsets still happen every occasionally. No, 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 it makes it sure. interesting. Uh, but I just think as far as like a spectator sport for jujitsu, Quintet is the best format that's been put out really? so far. Over, that's my personal opinion. Yes. Over something like um, like Polaris is so even like Polaris where it's like a. Polaris sub- is fine. Uh, the Eddie Bravo stuff is fine, or whatever they call combat jujitsu. Is I get combat jujitsu; it makes sense, but it also still kind of looks ridiculous a lot of the time. Why does it occasionally look somebody will catch like a true like boss root and like hand slap, and then you know that hurt. But the rest of the time, it's like a lot of this. It's like a lot of hand flailing. It looks like even if it does hurt, it just doesn't look that intense it, it just well, it sounds like we're gonna have to do one oh, here <laughs> again next part of curriculum. this is coming from the guy that hates getting hit in the face so he starts slapping me around and be like you win just get away from me so next okay so i teach saturday mornings at 11 next saturday morning my i usually do my little rules thing which i didn't do today i was surprised i know i know but it's i was outranked by like seven people but um so i i'll, I'll do it this time i'll say you know what you're allowed to do jits with light hits <laughs> how much is that going to change things? How how much do you think it'll change? That things? will increase eye gouges by five hundred percent. You think so? If, if if I require a fingers together, light tap on the head, and we'll say for every every light tap that you score on somebody, that person's got to do five push ups. Oh my god! This is oh going to be awesome. Dude, this is, dude, people are going to have a hundred push ups. Oh, it's going to be so fun, oh. right? So like that's but that's what we need to do though, right? Like that's true jujitsu. Oh, now you're doing the whole like. Back when I learned jujitsu, self not, I didn't say that. You're like doing the Chris Howder, <laughs> but right, like, but what? Okay, how much do you think? 
So I don't know do if that works for gi jujitsu. I think they should have no gi classes where they do the padded gloves and a little bit of strikes. So that's basically maybe a as a separate that's class. A yeah. I think that's <laughs> I think that's more more useful for that. But as far as gi goes, I kind of prefer the the pure technique on Tristan, that side. One to ten. Where do you rank yourself in terms of I can defend myself on the street? Ten being I'm all any bro. One being super scared still. All right, one question: Will, will they let me start on the knees? Yes. No. What? <laughs> <laughs> Hang on, time out. Everyone's throwing their knees. Yeah, my answer to that question is entirely whether I can get that person. No, to the are we assuming untrained opponent? Untrained opponent, bro, on the street, dude. Oh. Untrained Random. opponent, my size, I feel probably seventy to eighty percent. Ooh, confident. you're seven or eight. Okay. Unless they catch me with a real good shot coming in, I feel like I can get someone to the ground. And once they're on the ground, How I feel like I can do well. I, I just run in, just try to catch that overhand swing. You try well, it sounds like you got to work overhand. on that now. Paul's <laughs> yeah. like, I don't know if that's a technical answer. Just run in. <laughs> you just run in, man. Just it's, it's pure overwhelming wrestling style. You run in, you catch that one overhand right they're throwing at you, Ooh. and then you just pin it to their to their side and just Voice go to the ground, just, man. That's it. just let it go a little bit. Yeah. The, the longer you're out there at like jabbing range, that's just going to be bad for me. You no, got to go right for it. you? Untrained dude. Oh, 10. Oh! oh! I'm gonna go find me a bum. I, I was gonna do that again. I heard, I've heard that they've done that here in the past. I feel like Noah could actually like walk up to somebody, sit down, and like butt scoot his way into victory, like even yeah, on the street. Would... I mean, I mean, realistically, a nine. I think like you, you always have to assume everybody's like, got a puncher's you know, chance. You can't be more than. I a mean, nine. yeah, we discussed that in like one, right? But so like I was listening. But it's to... like we haven't. I haven't gone with a pure beginner in a while. When you go with a pure beginner. It's scary how you can manipulate their body, and they Agreed. have and yeah. they have that's, no clue that's what they're very doing. Very true. Yes, you know. That's a, yeah, yeah. So yeah. obviously, I think the risk is closing the distance. But once I have my hands around you, I mean, I even feel confident with a big guy who's just going to squeeze my head because I feel like that's the most common reaction is like a guy's going to do like a schoolboy on you, and I think that yeah, it might suck, but I'm just I'll, I'll wait it out and then I'll mount them and then. I'm off to the races. That, that's exactly right. You forget because you train with people here so often that when someone knows nothing, you they literally have no options. Again, it's like magic. How easy it is. Like even today, I went up against that giant white belt, uh, Calvin. Calvin, huge guy, about 300 pounds or something like is that. Is that the dude with the dreads? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Uh, and it's just you're just literally walking over him into mount. Calvin. Like he's a huge, strong guy. But it's, give Calvin it's a few effortless. months. <laughs> yeah, oh, like, he's gonna be a nightmare when he actually learns some jujitsu. Really I know that up front. Like across his That's why I'm getting all my reps in on him now. I'm going to be like, oh, I'm going to sit out this one when he, when he gets good. <laughs> yeah, oh, you've learned, you've learned the trick. <laughs> that's yeah, the, I'm proud of you. That's Partner the selection, you your, that's the key. You your knee, you're like, oh, I can't go this one. It's, uh... Tristan, so what drew you to martial arts in the first place? Um, I mean, I, I, you know, you grow up and you're just, everyone's into martial arts when they're little, right? You're watching Bruce Lee, you're watching Power Rangers. Everyone wants to learn karate. It's always what something. What about the Ninja Turtles? Fuck Ninja the Turtles, Rangers. obviously, yes. This is I fucking true. hate the Power Rangers. Dude, I had the deep cuts. I had like three ninjas. I had like all those Ooh. really bad like martial arts movies. Also, all the Steven Seagal stuff. To be I was fair, you know, we talk about the Ninja Turtles having a big influence on the upswing of karate schools in the United States or the upswing in enrollments. We've never talked about Street Fighter. Like that video game is like so ingrained. Is that actually in a influence on martial arts? I feel like that's I influence on people wanting to throw I'm, fireballs, but I don't think that brought no, a lot of I mean, people to karate. Influencing on wasting their like, money at the arcade. Yeah, but that, no, but I think that that that's there's an that's in that genre as we like to say. I, so that's the thing, though, right? Like I would say Jean Claude Van Damme 
is a bigger influence because I like imagine oh, the yeah, first Blood time Sport. you saw Bloodsport, right? You're like, holy <laughs> shit, this is a real life Street Fighter. <laughs> and then you, and then like, and then you saw the Street Fighter movie. <laughs> 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 With John Claude Van Damme. <laughs> With John Claude Van Damme. But like, I mean, so what's your favorite John Claude Van Damme movie, Tristan? Bloodsport has to be Bloodsport. Hell yeah, dude, Time Cop. <laughs> Get out of here. Are you serious? <laughs> I mean, Universal Soldier is really good. Uh, actually, the best Jean-Claude Van Damme movie, honest, answering seriously, is an independent film called JCVD. Oh, well, I mean, that's, that's an independent film. Yeah. Like, Did you see that movie? I know of it. It's phenomenal. Have you seen it? I have French, not seen right? it. Yeah, it's in, it's in French and English. It's I absolutely phenomenal. I imagine it's just phenomenal. him doing that split on two chairs that he does no, for no, two it's, hours. It's, <laughs> no, it's... it's he, <laughs> dude, I think he could have gotten an Oscar for that. Like, his acting... Like, he makes fun of himself, and he acts really well, and it's it's a play on his actual situation. Like, you know, like, he's paying al- alimony to yeah. these kids and stuff, and and basically he gets... He gets... Uh, he becomes a hostage in a local post office in Belgium. And they're like, it's Jean-Claude Van Damme. So everyone's oh, he's, like... So he's actually <laughs> playing himself. <laughs> he plays himself, okay. exactly. But it's fictional. Yes, absolutely. What, um, have you ever competed, Tristan? I have not, no. I used to compete in wrestling in high school. That was the last time I ever uh, did That's where you're like, I can see the Fohada come through. The what now? Fohada. You're just making up words. I don't know what that is. Wait, oh! oh my god! Take away a stripe, ladies and gentlemen. You don't know what pohada means. You're the only one that comes into class like saying the names of things. Like <laughs> oh. even when I did my blue belt test, I didn't know what anything was called. I knew techniques, but Ooh, no one, no so one ever tells you what to... anything's named until you like look at the pamphlet. <laughs> is oh, so? Would you say that that's a fundamental flaw of yeah. the way jujitsu is taught? I mean, only, you when don't know only when you're doing a podcast. Oh. I think the rest of the time you just learn the muscle memory and the, you drill the technique and it doesn't really matter what it's called. Okay, fair enough. So, pohada, I think it means like grind. It, it means uh, scrap. scrap. It's a okay. Portuguese word for like scrap or scuffle. And it came about through uh, Rumalo. Through Rumalo. Oh, yeah. Humulo. Humulo. Oh, sorry. God. I'm sorry. Here I didn't goes do your strike. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, at least I don't They're say Gracie Barra. I don't say Gracie Barra. I say Gracie Baja. So Humalo, he uh, he kind of brought that into, you know, when you when you start using a word and suddenly it catches on. So he was saying pohada a lot for just like going hard, leaving it on the mat sort of thing. And he actually has a gi line that uses everyday pohada on it. Yeah. Really? Yeah, because that, that's, that's what uh, Chihuahua bought. He bought a, a one like hashtag pohada. Or everyday pohada. That's where the whole hashtag thing. Because they, you said he's got one, I'm not going to get one. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's where that kind of thing comes from. But if, if we were to say it would be parada. Yeah, poor, yeah, because the, the P O double R A. Yeah. So, but it, it's just like it's like a, it's like the Nutella thing too. Like yes. in jujitsu, like there's just these little like catchphrases and like everyday pohada is like just everyday get like it's just sort of like getting away from the. Jiu-jitsu is for everyone. Like, oh, jiu-jitsu is getting soft. You got to come in and just fucking beat ass. I don't day. think pohada means you have to, like, it's it's exclusive. No? I th- no, I just think it... it, it I mean, it, the fact that I, ad- like, I can't, like, I can only use it via satirization. Like, <laughs> I, I, mean, I want me, nothing to do with it. To me, it's just, yeah, it's just going hard, you know? And actually... How, how hard I, do you guys think is appropriate for a... a Monday to Friday jujitsu class. Are you coming into class like? Oh, great, right, I got to work question. on everybody. I'm what do you think? What do you like, think? Because yeah, yeah, I like this. What's your opinion on this? What? What? Explain. Yeah. What? What's the intensity level that you expect in roles? Not expect that you want in roles. 
for me, well, for me, because of my size, I'm not the biggest guy in the gym, but I'm one of the bigger guys in the gym. So for me, it depends a lot on who I'm going with. If someone's a lot smaller than me, then I'm not going to go as hard because that just means that I'm just muscling someone. You're around. disrespecting the little person. Oh, that's I'm not, that's not to say I go easy. That just means I limit myself to doing just enough. Victor, he's going easy on you. No, Victor doesn't count. Victor gets, Victor gets all the weight. Victor, I'm trying to fold him in half. <laughs> there you go. Victor's happy now. <laughs> Talk about normal human people. Not jiu-jitsu phenoms over here all right so what i'm wondering is uh, how often do would you say you train a week uh i try to come at least four days a week yeah I, okay i make it between probably four to so, six so i'm gonna say that like i, I want to just first make make this statement because I, I made this i was talking to casey and i think it's a, it's a it was just a simple observation but it, i think it, it's really i think it'll, it, everyone can identify with it which is if we're rolling right and i'm rolling with someone and they tap me immediately i'm like oh well i was practicing stuff you know like i'm going through the motions i'm doing my thing you know so of course you know I, i'm not doing my a game but of course if i tap someone i'm assuming that now they're going like 100 oh, i got them going 100 you know what i mean like i don't apply the same logic it's like when i get why, tapped why don't you it's, it's ego ego but it's like when i get tapped it's because i'm practicing when i tap them they were going 100 percent competition style and i got them you know what i mean and i think we all kind of do that in a way to different to varying degrees at least at lower belt ranks when tapping out matters more. matters more yeah, i think yeah, i think yeah, when you, you get when you i think once you've tapped out a certain amount of time and i probably haven't hit that limit lit that level yet where it's like okay at this point i don't give a fuck anymore you know i feel like that's where chris is like okay i tap i've tapped a million times already it's like it's not the end of the world but independent of that little statement you training four days a week in terms of zero to 100%, 100% being like going all out like you're in a competition, where is your intensity level? Is it the same? Does it vary? Where it depends entirely on who I'm going against. If really? I'm going against Jovan, then I'm going 100% because I have to or I'm going to die. <laughs> you know, if I'm going against you know, somebody smaller, somebody less experienced, then I might hold myself back because I do get tired What about fast. Yoga John? Like, is he strong? Say what? <laughs> go against who? Yoga John. <laughs> John, Yo Rumsey. John Rumsey. <laughs> John, I can go... Mm. With him, you got to bring all your strength, but you don't have to go 100% because he's, he's more of a relaxed, like, technique player. So I feel like I don't have to go with 100% intensity. I feel intensity. like John's going to come after oh, you. John. <laughs> go after Tristan now. Tristan just said Shots fired. <laughs> I, I, got no, I got no problems with John. He's good. He's strong. But uh, you don't have days where you're like, I want to go easier. Oh, I definitely do. Yeah, I like, mean, do you cycle? Like, what do you, you know, what is it, your It depends cycle? a lot how I'm feeling. Uh, if I'm coming in, you know, six days a week, then, you know, two or three of those days might be, you know, I'm only going to do one or two rolls that day. It just depends on, you know, how, you know, some days you're more beat up than other days. I'm getting older now. I was never in good shape to begin with. So it's a lot of just day to day how I'm feeling. Some days I come in and I feel, you know, like I could, you know, run 10 miles. Some days I come in and ask myself why I even showed up that day. You know, it's a real kind of day to day thing for me. So. What, may, um, mo what motivates you to come in and train? Especially on that day, like you said, where it's like, I feel on like On the I days when I don't want to go, it's like when I almost make myself go more. Because if I start giving into that, then I'll go for another 12 years and not come back. Like, I just, <laughs> I just have that. Like, if I take too many days off, like, at some point, I'll just lose the thread of it. So, Do you, um, 
So and there's I, a lot of yeah. like, you know, you don't want the guys that you started with, the guys that you're at the same level at to surpass you. Like you mm. want to be able to keep pace. So that Ooh, draws me back to ego. the gym all the time. There you know? go. If I take many more days off, how much better is Mike going to get than me? And like just come in and, be, you know, it's hard enough to keep Mike up who? with that guy. You said Mike. Mike who? Mike, Mike. Uh, I forgot his last name so already. Did. Yeah. Yeah, and then uh, He's got also more training time than all of us put together. <laughs> yeah, by the way. and uh, like Jovan or people like that, or Xander. Like, if I take a few weeks off and Xander actually gets good at jujitsu, like that's dead. Z- oh, <laughs> Xander! <laughs> Shots fired. I said it. Oh. I said it. That's right. So I felt the power of Xander the other day. <laughs> the and dude he, is strong and he's, he's got strong. energy. It's, it's like the worst rule for me, man. It's like the worst of both worlds. He's yeah, big, yeah, he's, he's strong, he's and he's strong, got man. energy for days. It's yeah, literally got, like my like, worst role. He came in on Sunday when I did my like two-hour marathon role, and like <laughs> I always catch him when he's tired, right? But like, dude, he was like, <laughs> yeah. Well, his tired versus my tired is like night and day. He's and I made him smile, which is score one for Chris. <laughs> um, he, dude, the guy is he is strong as fuck yeah he, he's a lot like uh mike in the fact that he just keeps like he doesn't he just keeps moving and keeps pushing forward so he'll like like he'll just keep attacking you know what i mean like he won't sit there and yeah, contemplate yeah, yeah. grips yeah at least like keep, jovan like that except add like 100 pounds or whatever yeah uh, yeah, yeah. He's, he's got that like tenaciousness um new new blue belt right? yeah. yeah xander new blue belt he he came in like not knowing what to expect because like People were expecting like an. Were you? Yeah, you were there on Sunday. Yeah. Yeah, like people were like expecting like class, but I'm like, it's the fucking holiday. Like, let's just <laughs> roll, right? And so like people didn't realize like we had been there for an hour, like drinking beer, oh. and, like, you know. And so like, it was just like this. It was like Woodstock on the mat. <laughs> just like everybody like rolling and like hugging each other and laughing and drinking beer. It was awesome. Um, I got that underhook, buddy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was great. Like, um, so what? What? What do you, um... Well, there was a question. You, you asked us, and we reversed it on you. Your question was about intensity. So what, was, what, was, what were you asking? Because oh, I asked man. you, I was like, you got to go first. Yeah, it's just, like, how do, you, how do you guys measure? Like, Chris is always like, I don't know if he's half asleep when we're rolling. I don't know if he's just, like, letting me play. Because he has a relaxed style, so it's impossible for me to gauge how hard he's going at ah, any given point. The age-old lower belt question. With how Noah, hard is the upper belt going with me? And then yeah. with you, it's different because you're like, I don't know, 50, 60 pounds less than me. So How much do you weigh? But you, I'm about 210 right now, probably. After the holidays, so I'm probably 212, 213. I actually lost weight over the holidays. Really? I'm afraid to yeah. weigh myself, if I'm honest. I mean, I'm like 165, 45-pound difference. I'm trying to gain some weight. I'm like 177, which is where I wanted to be. Because I, I don't snack when I'm at home, right? Like I uh. snack when I'm in front of a desk. Oh yeah, and at work everyone's bringing in yeah, like, yeah, like, like pastries. And everyone's and got a birthday yeah, and anniversary. I was hanging out with family, so it was all the sugar and alcohol I could ingest yeah. for a week span. So I can actually stick to my diet, and I get to work out when I want to when I'm at home. But that's definitely something that I think is on lower belt minds, where it's like you wish you could see like everyone had like a an effort gauge to see how hard they went. Like how hard did that? How hard did I push this upper belt today? You know, because that's your that's how you're trying to gauge progress. It's like. 
Is yeah, this like, guy working harder with me? You know what I mean? So, like, when you guys start your rolls in the knees, right? Because that's what we do. We're, we're lazy jujitsu people. We don't like getting our necks. I really thought that was more an artifact of so many people being on the mat because your, your risk for injury goes way through the that's roof true. if you have no, more no, than yeah, five right? groups like, on the mat. We, like, we, so you don't have to deal with. Because like, that's a big criticism about training jujitsu, right? Is everyone starts on the knees, but I really think it's more of a practical thing. Oh, I don't yeah, start yeah. on the knees. I start on my butt. Thank you very yeah, much. Me too. <laughs> you start, I mean, like, laying down on your side, like, with one eye closed, like, like slowly drifting off to sleep. <laughs> That's it's the vu look of apathy. Is the, the, the coin term. <laughs> you pull them into a false sense of um, tiredness. So like, do you? I, I can say like for the most part, I will usually start on my right butt cheek, left foot in the air because I like to play with my left butterfly hook, and I will gauge how hard I need to go based upon how hard that person is trying to beat my left knee. Uh, maybe I'm so attuned to doing that that like I can gauge that well. Like, what if they don't, don't want to beat your left knee and they want to beat something else? What if they just like? What if but they, they have to deal with it, right? No. Like, what if they just leap over and grab a guillotine, like a yeah, flying guillotine? Yeah, it's the difference between like me just like pushing your knee away as hard as I can or pushing it down as hard as I can, and people are just like jumping around and running circles around. Okay, so like if they're immediately jumping like a sahibi, like because that's what he does, right? Like he he's really good like switching directions. Because like yeah, when there's when you're talking about intensity, you're talking about either strength or you're talking about like speed and agility like there's that's, two that's separate hard, sides so of that's the, the thing right like so how do we define intensity intensity is a thing like because i mean like you I, my intensity is like i you'll you'll feel me use like isometric strength more right like i'll t- i'll tighten up a lot more instead of like being more relaxed because i just i'm not a very particularly like oh fuck okay good i was i, I was totally afraid that i just cracked my new phone um, oh, you have a new phone? No, I mean it's like it's like three weeks old at this oh, point. Oh, okay. LG G8X, by the way, um, awesome. I got a free TV with it, so it's just great. Um, <laughs> dude, uh, great, great, best deal ever, right? So like, I I was up for renewal. I was like a year overdue, and they're like, LG just released a new phone. It's like the third generation past my G6, because the X, right? And so like, it's got the dual screen. I'm like, oh, I did all the reviews, and I'm like, this is awesome. Um, now I can watch. I can watch like Gordon Ryan and play my like DC Legends game at the same time because it's got a dual screen. So I like researched it. It's got good reviews on CNET and Android Central. Um, so like I, I I signed up for the thing. I got the like two hundred dollar like gift Mastercard gift card off of it plus the free dual screen which is on its way. And I'm like, oh, I I, I registered for that and this is like, oh, would you like to see if you qualify for more deals? Yes, I would. And there, sure enough, is one for a fucking 50-inch smart TV from LG also, right? For how so, much? For free, bro. That's a deal? Like, that's, an offer? Like, that's just a giveaway at that why point. Why would you, like, well, I'm like, of course I would want a free TV. So, like, I got my phone. And that was an LG, not a, like, Bob's Chinese knockoff? Dude, like, LG, bro. It's, it's, it's legit. I'm waiting on the TV. It's still, it's. Ah, uh, oh. Uh, it's not. Hey, hey, I, I, got a, I got the email approval message right here. So I can call that number. This is going to be slower than BJJHQ. It's going to be like, <laughs> yeah, the guy's going to have it on his back walking all the way so from China. So they're super legit though, right? Because like I did this deal when I got my G6, when I got a free Google Home, which I still use to this day, and a 50-inch television, which I still use to this day. Oh my God. But the t- first TV came super cracked. It was smashed. And like I emailed them back. I'm like, hey, I need a new TV. Like, because look at this shit. And like they sure enough sent me, sent me a new TV. And it was awesome. Maybe they did that intentionally to to get like curry favor with you because haven't you heard it's like what how do you like impress a customer you mess up and then you make it up to them is how you handle the mistake 
That's some that's some deep consumer conspiracy theories. So over is there. that is that a thing though, right? Like, wouldn't it be better? Is it better to correct a mistake, or is it better to do it exceptional the first time? I Explain. think I, I think psychologically, I want to say it's been shown that the former actually generates a bigger reaction. Obviously, if you do great customer service, that's good. But if you really want to impress someone, you go above and beyond when you make a mistake. Yeah, if you do it right the first time, you're essentially just meeting expectation. Whereas if you come back, then they feel like you did went above and beyond. But you still fucked up. Correct, but it's but it's, like that can it, happen but, to anybody, but, but, right? What, a TV gets smashed in the mail. Like that's not necessarily their fault. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, assume they didn't ship a broken TV. That's that's super like deep conspiracy, <laughs> right? <laughs> so there's there's a there's a quality assurance guy at no Amazon. Like, they did this on purpose. He's a quality assurance guy at Amazon. With like, uh, with like a little hammer, with hand. a little hammer, like checking for texts. And, 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 and Victor, what are you doing? What? what the hell was that, man? I wish I got that on like. That was boomerang. text boxing. You don't know that? It's like. <laughs> I'm sorry. He was like shadow boxing with You're his phone. Boxing with a phone, looking in the mirror. You're feeling yourself. Did you make sure your abs? That's got to be point? like the most millennial fighter move, right? I know. Like, Were your abs on point? <laughs> um, Hey man, don't don't hate. You old you old guys, middle aged man. Wow. So guess oh, don't like hate. So guess so everyone. It's um it's op- it's open season on leg locks on Victor because ever since he went skiing, he said I have ACLs of That's steel. That's right. He did say invincible ACLs. I will not fucking tap to any of you. Wow. <laughs> open season inside heel hooks. Here we come. Now you know oh, why yeah. he gets the full two fifteen every time we run. Oh yeah. <laughs> Pizza Victor. down a black diamond slope. ACLs just fine, boys. Victor, did we ever find out who got your chicken fingers? Oh yeah, I, I, I highly suspect it was Kyle because he um, alluded it to it, but then he said he was a uh, air quotes joke. So Kyle, I'm I'm coming for you, man. So let me. And I Kyle know, wants a second stripe, so we're gonna we're gonna like pit the two against you, and he could get a second stripe depending on how he performs. Man, I will fuck so, that boy up. How did you guys not just smell everybody's breath? Because it was hours after. It was like oh, it was in the fridge. Okay. Was we like, went out skiing and then we like, come. That's what I would do. I'd be like, I'd, let me smell your breath. Right I think you're doing food forensics over here. <laughs> <laughs> I love, do you smell like chicken? Forensic files not? next on Annie. <laughs> so we talked about effort. What? Uh, Wait, you, you never answered. I gave you my... How do you deal with my left leg? I mean, for me, it's yeah, how I feel. Yeah, with me, it's hard to gauge your intensity because you're in good shape. So to me, it always feels like you're going 100% just because you're constantly moving all the time. I mean, I think for me, it's it's who I'm going with. It's how I'm feeling. And if when you train, I think... It Do you ratchet it up as it gets closer to like as they get dominant position or it's like... No, actually, actually, actually when, like when, when if someone gets side control on me... I'm actually, I chill out even more because I'm like, okay, I'm not in any hurry to get out of here. Like, I'm not playing points on the, on the math, so I just kind of chill. That's very Henner mm. Gracie of you. Yeah, right. Who was, it was Henner and... Do you uh, compete? I have competed once. I compete. Well, I don't have, like, I, if, I get, if I want some hard rolls, I'll just go with the guys here and, and go hard. Maybe later, but I haven't had the itch to, to compete in a while. I think competing is, is just to get hard rolls in with strangers and just kind of measure yourself. The winning is that doesn't do anything for me, but I think um, look at this guy's already transcended ego. No, I mean obviously <laughs> I like to win, and if I sign up for a tournament, like I I want to win. Don't get me wrong, like I'm I'm hyper competitive, but I think like going back to the Globetrotters thing, 
training in Iceland and doing those open mats and rolling with strangers, even though it wasn't super hard, it was a great measuring stick and barometer of kind of where I felt I was in the whole ocean of, you know, white, blue, purple, yeah, brown. You really got a nice slice of like worldwide jujitsu. Absolutely. Every level. And what, what did you find? Did you like, did you see differences? Like, what did you learn in terms of not learn, but what did you uh, notice as like, what do we do differently? What do they do differently? What do we focus on? What do they focus on? It's, it's hard to gauge. Cause you don't know if it's, if it's a difference of just, you know, they go to a different school, so they emphasize different things. Like, I saw things there that I wouldn't normally see against blue belts here, but that could just be because they teach it a little differently. You know, like I said, everyone's sort of speaking the same language, but maybe they come at it from a slightly different angle. So what was, what's an example of something that you saw a few times there that would be unusual for us to do? So over there, as far as going with blue belts, there's a lot more people that would immediately stand up to try to pass your guard. A lot of the blue belts here will stay on the ground to try to pass your guard. Oh, I don't like that. It's interesting because, like, um, so I think that's a big gauge of, like, level of, not, I guess, confidence on the mat is, like, whether or not you're willing to stand. Agree or disagree? You mean like start standing or go go to your feet? Just like, go to your feet to pass. Yeah, I think it's just kind of what what you you get used to. Like Be, a lot well, of the okay. techniques you start here at white belt, they start you stand, they start you on your knees, so that's how you learn it. So you don't think to stand up. But then once you oh, get sort okay. of going against better people, you realize it doesn't really work if you're on your knees a lot of the time, unless you're doing something specific. Like when I go with you, I'm usually trying to pin a leg to the ground or something, like hold something in place at the same time. Because I feel like if I stand against you, I'm in a worse spot because you know a lot more of like, you know, your De La Hivas and your, you know, weird X guards and your stuff that I don't know how to defend. So I try to stay in places that I, I feel more comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> but if I'm going against I mean, another I blue belt here, then I'd be happy to stand guard. up because I feel like I, I have I, more yeah, options. There. I find that a lot of people pass on their knees and I'm kind of surprised by it. I don't know because I don't think Paul teaches that personally. No, I think it's a more natural and this is, I mean, this is from years of experience is that like it's harder to get sweat from your knees, right? Like because you're just, you're close to the ground. Um, it's also harder to pass though. Right? That's the thing. It's like, I, you're not as threatening. Right, but you're, you're not as like, so like, have you guys rolled with, you've rolled with Chris, the, God, is that his name? I'm terrible. Yes. It is Chris. It is the, like the turtle. Yeah, the right? blue belt. Like the blue belt yes. turtle guy. Yeah. yeah. Right? Like he's, he's, he's this. Like he's got no neck and he's got. I call no him neck. the boulder. Yeah, he's literally, <laughs> yeah. he's grappling. Like, you know, I, I describe Victor as like grappling a wet water balloon. Basically, um, every time I've ever gone with him, wait, we've just you, been in you one call Victor for a wet minutes. water balloon? Yeah. You call Victor a wet water balloon? Yeah. What? what? Have you ever tried to grapple a wet water balloon? No. I mean, like, <laughs> Come over here, Victor. You've what just been characterized. You are a, drum roll please, a wet water balloon. So, like, imagine Why does it have to be you're wet, You're the wet though? noodle of jujitsu. Why does it have to be wet? So, I mean, like, have you ever, okay, when was the last time you guys played with a water balloon? Chris, why, why are you calling me out, man? What, what did they do to you? What? So like I, I'm guessing this I is complimentary, this, but I, this, I don't like, know. It I sounds have this like, like built-in like profile for every person I grapple with. Like I have like my dossiers. You're just assigning like, them as random. Yeah, and so random I'm a, so I'm wait, a what? I'm a what? Say it again. I'm a what? A wet water balloon. How about so like a water a, balloon just like 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 covered in Vaseline? Work, right? In like Vaseline, a, that makes more sense. A water balloon sense. doesn't like if you if you if it's not wet or lubricated of some. There we go. Okay. Oh, you're a lubricated water balloon. <laughs> like it you, uh, I'm like white jelly. This water balloon. But like Victor is so like yeah, like I, you can't get a hold of the guy, right? 
He's saying you're elusive. He's, uh, he's, he's a wet water balloon. But, but so like, you're calling me a KY jellied water balloon because I can't, because I'm small? Is that, is that they're, not, they're not a sponsor. I'm small. So let's, let's calm it down now. Because I'm a small guy? A personal lubricant water balloon. So you're saying you, you, try to, you try to wrap up Victor and he squirts out, is what you're saying. Basically, you try to hug just, him. Like, you're like, I want to hug like, you, and he, and he squirts out. Yeah, he just oozes his way out from wherever you have, right? So, but like Chris is, he, Chris is a, he's a, he's, he's a boulder. He's literally. He's, so wait, what, how am I characterized? He's literally the immovable object. Wait a minute, wait a minute, oh wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. And he grabs your lapels. Hang on, hang on. How am I? How on. how am I characterized then? Um, in the dossier. Come on, if you've given Victor a, a one, you had to have given me one. I would say I, it's funny because I haven't given you like a like an action figure yet. Uh, <laughs> I, would, I would say dude he's so, got a shelf and he's got Victor Padilla he has a little water balloon he, he puts some KY jelly on it you know? but like Chris is like essentially you're a greased like up a pinwheel Mr. that's what Potato you are head, right okay. like he's got like he's got like a torso with just like some limbs that you can't really grab onto because he just like keeps his I elbow can't, I can't say I'm too flattered by this Chris. <laughs> like you should be because he wants he wants top control I, and I, I there's can't. nothing about heavy top pressure uh, with when you think of a lubricated water balloon, <laughs> no, but it's like it slides right? off. It's like he gets on top and he just slides off. Yeah, I can't. I can't say I'm too, uh, too, like you know, See, crazy. That's not a comment thought, on the human form. That's got to be a commentary on your personality somehow. I don't know. But like, so Sahibi to me is he's dodging me. He's probably got a bad one. No, no, me. I'm trying to like. I have my like little dossiers of like how I have to deal with people. And like, but like you, I have I haven't rolled it enough to to be honest. Uh, to be able to, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to have a calibration roll. Then. We, we we do. How did? How, oh, I want to <laughs> see that the guy that's half asleep or the guy that's like running a marathon. <laughs> yeah. What do you? Okay, so like, what do? When do you? Um, okay, what about what about Yoga John? How do you characterize him? Let's get you. Let's do Yoga John. <laughs> all right. So Yoga John is he's the guy. Be very who, strong. Yeah, he's very strong. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he is. No, he's no, no. You need right? to say it. Say it, no. No, he because is strong, he's but strong. he's also like a technique guy. He's not strong no, like exactly. me. Like I try to crush people. That's my thing. I go Whoa. forward. I try to crush. He's just like I'm gonna relax till you screw up and then do something. We just have to jujitsu wise. We have time so for the like, record. For the he, record, he no. Like, he here we go. John is very. For the record, no. I has to say that John is very strong. John, did you, did you feel it? John, uh, yeah, he brought the, he brought the heat. He brought did the he? heat. Oh. He brought the heat. It was good. <laughs> I told him I was like, I owe you a role, even though I never called him out specifically. It was by omission. Oh, but he called you out by way of you calling by him indirectly. By, by omission, yeah, by omission. Oh. No, no, it was, dude. It's like it's like anything. It's like we all we're all going going back to effort. If we all were going hundred percent, we would all be injured. You know what I mean? I can't hear you saying it. Dude, John is a strong dude. There we go. Thank you. You're welcome. He's, he's really <laughs> I think strong. you're supposed to be very strong. Oh, my God. This is so bad. <laughs> okay. Dude, so- I, look, I, I'm the kind of guy, like, I see him because he comes in, his shirt's off. It's like he's fu- it's like carved out of a granite. I'm like, dude, are, did you lose some weight? You're looking thin. You know what I mean? That's how I fuck with him. You know what I mean? He's like, what am I? He's like, whoa. <laughs> like- he was like one of the very few guys when I came back to the gym and saw him. I was like, no, thank you. No, I'm okay. <laughs> No, he, he turns uh, out he's like a great training no, partner, no, he's a really good dude. Training partner. Like, yeah, yeah, he's he's very mindful of training. How do you how do you try to be mindful of training, Tristan? Like, what do you when you roll? Do you like I'm I'm trying to work on this today, regardless of what's going on in the curriculum? Or you're like I'm gonna try to really fine tune what's going on in the curriculum. That's actually something I've been struggling with a lot lately, since like trying to get 
or getting my blue belt, like trying to focus on things and like improve certain parts of my game. But I find that when we start rolling, because I'm obviously not that good and I don't like getting crushed, I tend to fall back to the same things over and over again. So really just trying to force myself to work a particular position is actually challenging for me. So I try to just work on things, places I find myself inevitably, essentially turtle and knee shield, because those are the places I always end up. So trying Being to sort turtle, of... Turtle bottom or turtle top? Turtle bottom. Because that's where I go when I can't breathe, which is most of the time. Okay. And, and what do you... Like, what is your goal from there now? Do you try to escape or do you try to... Like roll to guard or what? Yeah, the goal is is to not stay there anymore because I can ride out a whole round in turtle. That's like, I literally live there. Like, yeah, go ahead and try to choke me. I'm probably going to be fine. Uh, So now it's like trying to actually progress from that position and actually get back to guard or or sweep or or something or escape. Would you appreciate if there was more structure to the sparring sections of class? Like, would you appreciate more situational sparring versus just free rolling? Absolutely. I think that's something we, we should definitely do more because you do... You can explore positions more. You can try things if you start in a position over and over rather than having that one opportunity to work, you know, from top turtle or side control or whatever in a match. If you're constantly resetting, I think it gives you more options to sort of branch out from that position, which I think is helpful. Yeah. So I will say this, though. Uh, I agree with that 100 percent. However, what's funny is on a day like this, when there are so many grapplers, it was just like, let, let everyone go. Like, let the horses ride today. You know what I mean? So it's like I. I I see what you're doing, Noah. No, and then people, because you start, so just for the record, Chris started with, all right, five people out, five people on them. People on the bottom, you're trying to sweep or submit. People on top, pass or submit, you know? And I had verbal, I had people, like, actually saying, like, huh? Did they groan? Uh, They verbally kind of groan. They're like, I just want to roll, man. Like, this is not the time, Chris, you know? Oh, okay. Well, that's fair, right? So, like, but that's, so as an instructor... Like we had how many, was, we had three joy. white belts and we probably had 25 plus people. Oh, it was like, it was, I should have snapped a photo. Fuck. Yeah. And I didn't take a photo of Sahibi either in the last, like, I forgot to I do. I tried to. Damn it. I do, I got, I've got several. Yeah, I know you got Some it. of them are terrible. Um, some of them are great. I'll post the terrible ones. Um, so Just what the you, ones with my face are terrible. I know. <laughs> but, um... So that's the balance, right? Because like you have to balance as an instructor learning, safety, work. Well, for development, 100% situational sparring. In fact, more so than just saying uh, having a guard retention section. You know what I mean? Like guard retention drills, which is what we basically did. I think the I fact that everyone's back it. from break, right? Everyone's got a Everybody few extra. Everyone, yeah, this everyone's is like, like a, maybe everyone, it's just my perspective. I feel like this is like weekends, like fun days. This is when everybody they just want to kind of blow their wide. Your Monday you know, through Friday classes wanna, are when you do the work. You know, so they just want to okay, blow their wide good. after that's holiday. Good. Plus, everybody was here, and it was like I said, it's like murderers row. You know, oh, it was it that's, was terrifying. You know, like, it was murderers row, and I didn't even go with many of the murderers. Like on on the. I, it's funny because like I it's really, like when Zach shows up, I got, you're like, like one okay, with Zach, and I was like, oh god, like I forgot how good he is. Like it's been a while since I Coach wrote. Zach, Coach Zach, yes, <laughs> but he, man, like, like he's so good, and I forgot how it's been a while since I've rolled with. He's a strong with, dude too. Yes, he's he's got he's got some break your will pressure. Um, I forgot how how just like Ryan Wilkerson from any position. Even in you know quote inferior position, can reverse it based purely on Ryan Wilkerson. You mean attribute based movements? <laughs> yeah, I mean like he's he's so good at like just finding these little tiny like 
inches of space where he can apply pressure and just completely sweep you from something like. But anyways, yeah, yeah. Today, today was definitely a like a murderer's row, as you put it. Um, okay, so I'll keep that in mind. More murderer's row, more pohada. Well, I th- with twenty it, minutes of rolling was not enough for you. Five four minute rounds. Yeah, I I would have appreciated like honestly like if you went thirty five minutes and you had the thirty like like kill them like wear people out kind of thing in, in one of those days I think would have been good. I don't think you need to emphasize that with Chris's class no 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 it seems like I he actually, always wants to go I like a, marathon I, drilling and, I had and a marathon genu- I had a genius <laughs> moment too because we were thinking we were sitting there and Andre and I were talking and it was like dude people are gonna go so hard right now you know and and but then the, we, we had the, then we had this realization if you have us roll and let's say you do the first the first roll you set it eight minutes that will suddenly put brakes on people going crazy because they know I can't go, I can't sprint and make it to the finish line. So that's an interesting question, right? Like, what, okay, Tristan, you've been doing it for many years now, right? You, what's, what's your ideal minute of rounds for rolling, just in training every day? For, of, of, of rolling, not drilling, just pure rolling. Um, no, I think the last 15, 20 minutes of class is about right. How, how long do you want each round? Oh, me? <laughs> probably two minutes that's about all i got no uh I, I don't mind a i don't mind a five minute round um i mean i'm gonna get exhausted regardless i've never had great cardio my whole life so uh i just tend to adjust my i've gotten to the point where i can at least adjust my own pace if we're doing full five minute rounds um but i i also like you know shorter rounds to mix it up because i feel like i can do more technique so for me just i, I prefer to just kind of do sort of whatever the instructor's feeling it's nice to have it sometimes shorter rounds, nice to have longer rounds. Um, the ones where you just go, the classes where you start at like, you know, 1130 and then we do a half hour of just like <laughs> no rest and just like going around. Like those are the ones that just absolutely destroy me as a human person. But do you enjoy it? I do. Okay. Uh, once everyone else is as tired as me, I enjoy it. <laughs> Did you do, what was the longest time that you spent doing an open mat in the Globetrotters camp? Because they do, um, they do open mats like every day, I feel like. Yeah, well, they did what? Hour and a half, two hour open mats. But because of the, the humidity and like just the sheer exhaustion factor, it was like I would do five minutes and then I'd like wait a round or two and then do another five minutes because like really trying to stay conscious of like not getting super dehydrated. You're cramping up all the time because you're sweating so much. So that's like a, a whole different environment because you're contending with the weather and just sweating that much and being that exhausted and that drained. Did they uh, provide resources like water and Gatorade and stuff? Um, they had water. I think you mostly had to buy most of your own water and stuff. They had a little grocery store, so everyone had these giant, you know, six packs of, like, you know, three-liter bottles or whatever that everyone was lugging around the island. Like, I think it's, I think it's, I think it's cool to have, like, a time where you roll for, like, you have a, a marathon open mat session, like, multi-hour like so I did, I did that, that in Iceland. Yeah, yeah, like, I did that in Iceland, and it was really cool because it you you talk about hitting a flow state. Like you don't care about tapping anymore. You just like you're grabbing people. Like you have a minute. You, you go five minutes on, one minute off, sure. and you just grab a stranger and you go. That's true. Once you get past you, like the third or fourth round, you of just that, go, it's man. Like yeah, it's just a flow state. And so that's my thing, right? Like for, so back in the day when I was teaching at like full time at Winter Springs, my thing was. The last 30 minutes of class, we're doing seven-minute rounds with no rest. Like, use a seven-minute round with a person. Define no rest. No rest. Like, seven minutes is up, grab a new person, go. Okay. Like, literally no rest. And that's what I, like, 
sort of like yeah so that's not even a round that's just with the same person and then you're just moving yeah, on to but the round is continuous because, like, essentially you just end up doing the same thing anyway right like what do you um like do you guys feel as though, i stopped doing that just because like i feel as though it sort of like alienates people who aren't as serious Oh, I agree. I I don't think you should maybe do it at the gym unless you actually say, "Hey guys, this Sunday or this Saturday we're going to do a marathon sesh." So it's it's elective. It has to be elective. If you obligate everyone in a class to do that, no, then it's torture. Do you think it would really? I mean, like, but it would make. The other thing is in these open mats, it's not like when when I was in Iceland, I did I think a three or four hour one. I think I want to say three because four hours sounds too long. Yeah, four hours sounds. Good. That's <laughs> it. That's but I did three work. hours, and did that mean I was rolling every round? No, I took there was a, a few times in there where I was like, okay, I'm going to rest six minutes instead of one minute because I'm going to just sit down, watch, and then grab another per- person and go. But that's that's kind of I think if you did that in a, in an open mat scenario where everyone's just kind of sitting around and grabbing people, I think done occasionally it's a cool experience for the person but it's also made more interesting because i think here you're rolling with the same people so you don't have the novelty of rolling with brand new people so it's almost like it's almost like speed dating when you're at a camp right it's it's a form of speed dating right that's true when you hear there's like a a narrower like group of people that you know you want to roll with yeah what makes you not want to roll with somebody then oh yeah you just said i want to roll with what's what's what um, makes you not want to roll with a certain person? Well, it's not even like... So if you're going like a marathon session, I'm already exhausted. You know, do I want to go with like Ryan or like a brown belt like that that I know is just going to destroy me and I don't even have like the the conditioning to like fend them off? Like that's not a fun round for anybody. Well, maybe it's fun for them because they can just do whatever they want. Um, Got to weed out the weak. <laughs> but the thing is, they used to have more open mats here, but like not a lot of people ever showed up for them, I felt like. This well, is true, right. I think. Really? What do you so define? Elaborate. I'm 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 unfamiliar with said expectation. I mean, I can't recall us having something called an open mat. We've had Randori, and Randori on Friday evenings when it was ghee was at best like six or seven people. That's why I was rolling in Randori on my first week as a as a no stripe white belt because there were only like five people, you know. And Jim was like, "Come on." <laughs> So. so do you think as in terms of – do you think like pe- people would benefit from more open mats? I mean like, okay, so like as as a stakeholder in the gym here, like what benefit is it to the students to really have an open mat? Like how many people would show up? I mean it varies like anything else here. Like some days you have, you know, four white belts come for a new class and some days it's 20. And it just kind of depends. Like, you can never gauge how many people are going to show up for anything, I feel like. Well, I think me, I think based on what, a conversation we had recently, like, I think open mats for what I see, I, I don't see the need for it here, honestly. Yeah, because the end making Everyone goes so fucking hard. That, that's my big thing. Everyone goes too hard, too often. And I think more situational sparring in, in a very, in not, you can go hard in situational sparring, but in very like focused positions so you can get reps with resistance so you can actually get better at that and to what we were saying earlier with mike which is drill so reactions in those specific situations become instinctual as opposed to let me think about it first what is your so like you guys are both blue belts now what is your ideal amount of effort for you to learn in a situational Sparring situation, like, that's using the 
thing twice. In a situational sparring um, round, do you want do you want the person to resist a hundred percent, or do you want them to start off at fifty, work their way up to sixty, in a in like a two minutes? Progressive resistance. Yeah, it depends entirely on how much of a grasp I have on whatever we're teaching. Like if it's something that's fairly new and I'm not great at yet, then I'd probably say maybe just give me like 50% on this. And then as you get better, they can ramp it up until you're going 100% and trying to hit it. I think you do need to definitely ramp up though. I don't think you should ever drill just like lazy, just like. Uh, I think we all agree that we could probably do a better job of prepping students to be better drilling partners when it comes to the drilling phase and the situational sparring phase of training. So they don't dead fish us. Yes, which is because yeah, yeah, the, the, yeah. That, that, so I mean, what happened to me, what happened to me and, and, and took me some time to have this realization is I would drill a technique, I would have success, I would go live and I would have zero success and I'd be like, hmm, what's going on? And that's because when you drill it, everything's clean and your partner's flowing with you. And then when you actually do a technique live, it's never clean. That's what took me time to realize is that doing a technique is never clean. And a great example is a crab ride back take. If you do a crab ride back take in training, it's like, oh, this is the most elegant thing ever. It's like, boop, boop, grab the belt, you know, got your two hooks in, kick them out, they fall on their butt, you've got your seatbelt. You do that live and watch a tournament. It's like a fucking battle. Guys are climbing, you're, you're pulling the belt, it's guys are struggling, and it doesn't look pretty. It works, but it doesn't look pretty. And I think that as a very beginner, as like up until like being a three or four stripe white belt, I was trying to achieve, I thought jujitsu looked like what it looked like in training. And now I'm realizing jujitsu doesn't look like that. It's can I, can I aim for the objective of what I get in training, but achieve it when it looks ugly with a fully resisting opponent. And that's where I think progressive resistance would give people a better gauge on you want something when you drill it to match what it's going to feel like live, and that's where progressive resistance, in my opinion, can close the gap for you. There, there's also a thing I, I don't think most of the teachers most of the time pay enough attention to, and it's teaching the other side of the technique, especially with newer Ooh. people. When you're teaching a technique to say, and there's a guy that does it, uh, oh, now I feel bad, I can't remember his name, but the SBG guy. Matt Thornton. Yes, Matt Thornton, thank you. Who, when he teaches a technique, he'll say, and a good partner will do this while you're trying. Look to at do you this. watching the videos. Oh, He's like, oh, you're, you're following my share. I told you I used to fall down those deep YouTube rabbit holes, man. I gotta stay, I gotta stay away. But and once you say Matt Thornton, Chris is like, ah. Oh, 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 SBG is like, I think Chris just got taller. It's weird. He just like, yeah, no, no. He's cool man like um, yeah but that's one thing i saw from his videos that i i don't see a lot here that i think is very helpful because especially when i go with newer people and we're teaching a technique you're trying to learn it but they're not doing the right thing on their side so it's throwing off your drilling so there's two two sides of that coin right because there's like the side of the coin where it says like it, it becomes like a kata right like you don't want it to be like a one or two step sparring from like a traditional martial art where it's like if i do this then you do this but then along the same lines, good jujitsu would dictate that if I do this, then you definitely do this because it's from a percentage standpoint, like that's what you would most likely do because it's safe, right? So like, but it's not necessarily a move. It's more of like, this is the position they should be in. This is where their hands and legs should be if they were going to start defending. Like just yeah. giving them rather yeah, yeah. So than, that's the know, other thing. Rather than just laying there, they so, have an objective of So some here's kind, the other, the other funny move. thing is a white belt, and I mean, it still happens now, is we'll learn something 
And our partners will, quote, do the right thing. And you train for that. And then you go live and someone does a completely unorthodox, unexpected thing. And it works. And then I have to go back and ask Paul. I was like, well, what if they do this? And he's like, oh, well, then you just take their back. Or, but it's not obvious to me. Because you're a white belt. Or, 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 uh, yeah, yeah, because yeah, okay, I don't have the experience where it's like they do the unorthodox. So it's it like, like we say, like I'd say going with a, a four-stripe white belt or going with a blue go, Just simple. Going with a blue belt in a way is easier than going with an athletic white belt. White belt. Yeah, agreed. Because so, the white belt is going to dangerous. Do, yeah, the white belt is going to do movements that aren't jujitsu that you spend less time reacting to. But at the same time, I, I think most, like, and, and you guys are at the stage now where you're in your development of jujitsu, where you're starting to see certain, like, common denominators, right? Like, where, like, you just mentioned Paul saying, like, well, I would just do this. Like, there, there should come some sort of like singularity in your training and your development of jujitsu. Where, like for example, the reason why I knew that that um, the modified hip bump sweep that you had posted a video of, you're like, I want to work on this. I'm like, I, I just know that's gonna work, right? Like because like I literally have the cross arm trapped. I've got my elbow to my hip. He's got no base that way. And just going back to what you're talking about when you visited Maine mm-hmm. about the guy of like all sweeps work because of this, right? Like. I just knew because he didn't even see it coming and he postured like I just knew it was going to work, right? So like there there should come a point in time where everybody in everybody's development where for the most part like you can see common denominators in certain positions and certain um certain positions for certain transitions where you're like okay, well I would just do this. It doesn't matter what they're trying to if I'm trying to do this and they do this, well then I would just do this instead, right? Like I think that happened to me today when I was rolling with um, Andrew Rossiter, and he said, I find myself caught in these, like, awkward, weird positions, right? And he's like, I just don't know what to do with it. Well, I explained to him, like, man, like, there's going to come a time where you, <clears throat> like, I, I see what you're doing. You're, you're trying to prevent a guard pass, so you tie up my legs with some fucking bullshit, like, like triangle, or you're squeezing your thighs together, whatever it is. But all you're doing is, like, you're locking me in place to prevent that pass, but you're not doing anything with your arms, right? Like, so just from that weird, awkward position that you think is awkward, see where you want to go, see what options are available to you based upon, like, where my hand placement is, and work towards that. And then I think when you see start seeing those common denominators of, like, hand placement, hip placement, like, their body relative to yours and leg placement, like, then at that point, you'll, you should always be doing the right thing. You know, if you sort of like know, I guess that that, that does a circular argument, right? Like you should know what to do in order to do that, but you have to understand the concepts first. Um, Like, it's just sort of like if, if I'm being an uke for Paul and he's showing some new technique, like you'll hear him say every so often, oh, Chris is doing this because he's been, he, he knows jujitsu, right? Like I just do that because it's at that, like for that micro, you've developed an intuition, a jujitsu intuition of like what I need to be doing, right? Yeah. Like, and and it's not even a matter of like what it is f- to help him demonstrate the technique. It's what I should be doing as a jujitsu practitioner, um, and that's that's the whole chess match overall um, is trying to beat the other person's potential reaction. But I I think you guys shortchange yourself in terms of not knowing the quote correct reactions. And I think you guys shortchange yourself as as you know mid level blue belts at this point, to to roll with somebody who's like a spazzy white belt, 
I think you're so focused on whatever technique we're working at that moment that you sort of um, ignore your other possibilities, right? Like, like you said, Paul, Paul said, like, oh, I would just take us back. Like, it's the idea of, like, I was just reading Bruce Lee's Jeet Kune Do, and he's talking about, like, who's more dangerous, the guy with a knife or the guy who doesn't have a knife? And I'm like, I, I sort of disagree with it, but I see the analogy he's using. He says, like, the guy who's without the knife, right? Because he's like that guy recognized that he has all these weapons and tools available to him. Whereas I almost guarantee you the guy with a knife can only think of what I can do with that knife, which I agree with kind of, but like knives are fucking dangerous, right? Like I don't want to fight. What if we, yeah, I think that's a theory that Byron falls apart. I I mean, we, we saw Raiders of the Lost Ark, right? No, it's like, <laughs> it's like <laughs> I have yeah, what if that guy was sick that day and has a gun? Then you're no, no, and I get that, right? But like, but um, but, the, but the analogy he's trying to make is like the guy who's so focused on only doing one thing is less dangerous than the guy who can view other possibilities available to him. And I think that's where, as a, it would do a service to like mid-level blue belts. To like, yeah, that's fine to see the technique and stuff, but like, how do you? Based upon that spazzy white belt's reaction, like what can I do from there? That's that's kind of where I was going when I was saying I'm trying to branch my game out from the places I continuously find myself, like knee shield. Like rather than just going for the same knee thing every time. Knee shield bottom. Knee shield bottom. Right. So what I'm trying to develop now is that whole like heads I kill you, tails you die thing. Like trying to learn and use the techniques so if they go that way, then I know I'm going this. But if they go the other way, then I know what to do from there too. And trying to, to use that so... Because guys I go with against like Mike and of course some of the brown belts and black belts, it just seems like they no matter what I do, I'm in the wrong they, place. Yeah. And I would like to be able to develop that. So that's what I'm trying to do from the places I find myself. Is like if they go left, I know what to do. If they go right, I know what to do. And once I have that knowledge, then I can actually develop a game from there. That's very Nick Paul. Nick yeah, Paul talks like about like reaction and then timing the, the window. I also think going back to the training and progressive resistance, the other thing we could do, I think it's a, it's a more dangerous, slippery slope because of how people react when kind of given this responsibility, but allow training partners to be like mini coaches and actually give verbal feedback about what you are doing. So it's like if I'm training with you, Chris, and I'm practicing what we did today, a knee cut with a back step, we're supposed to keep pressure on the hips. It's like you would tell me like, oh, the pressure feels better now when you do this. I so, don't think the bottom person realizes that. Right, like I think. No, I'm saying I'm saying empowering the bottom person to say, like, be like mini feedback machines. So you're like, this feels better, this feels worse, so that the guy on top or whoever, whatever. I'm using the the, that situation, but the person practicing the technique can actually not just. They can actually get actual feedback saying, "Does this feel worse for you? Thus, better for me." I, I I agree with you. I think it takes a very trained person to recognize that sort of stuff. And yeah. and I think this is sort of like one of those things where one of the better ways to learn something is to feel it first, right? Like it just in terms of um, like how many times have you worked with like a white belt now where they you're trying to show them something or excuse me, you're trying to teach them how to do something and there's like just, they're just fucking up. They're just doing it terribly, right? We're like, just let me do it to you real quick, right? And then you're like, let me, just so you know what to feel. And then intuitively, I think when they start to try to do it now and reverse the position, they can do it properly. because They can they, actually reverse engineer based on the yeah, feeling. Yeah, like based on, how often does that happen? I would say a lot more often than you realize. 
I try yeah, really I hard happens. not to teach people anything because I know nothing. That's a so good. That, I, that's a great attitude to have. More people, mo, more intermediate people should have that attitude. What's that? Like I, I shouldn't be teaching. Like people, when people ask me questions, hopefully I usually say, you know, Paul's sitting right over there, <laughs> or Chris yeah. is sitting right there. Like ask them, <laughs> don't ask me. Occasionally, I'll give a white belt a tip if they have no idea what to do from a particular position, and I don't want to, you know, stop everything to like, you know, get Paul to come over and like show them a thing. But like, yeah, and I if think they're stuck in mount and they have no idea, then I might show them like a trap and roller, just to have something to work toward from that position. That's, just, that's being a good training. But most of the too, time, really. I tr- I try really hard not to teach jujitsu. Um, so that's interesting that you. But what? But what's wrong with that though? Like, you, I don't see a problem with because even my best stuff, I only know about seventy percent, and I don't want to pass on bad habits and bad information to new people. But like, if you expand the knowledge base and the pool of just like people to try to critically think, I don't think that's a problem. I mean. Maybe it's just like from my perspective, like for me, one of the most annoying things when I was a white belt was like blue and white belts trying to teach me things. Uh, unsolicited some, advice. Yeah, unsolicited, right? Uh, and, and not, you know, there's, so, there's a certain so person like, that'll do the it. They're like, well, you're about to submit them and they start to tar- try to start oh, teaching yeah. you. Like, oh, the old talking you through the submission. Yeah, there's that. But then there's other people that just like, they just, they just want to feel like subject matter expert. And I just didn't want to ever be that guy. And then that extrapolates into, you know, I just don't know what I'm talking about. There's a lot of other people here you can learn from that know more than I do. But I think though, I mean, so uh, one thing that I've been a part of at this point is like as a lower belt teaching. It's just, it's been a part of my journey. Um, teaching also helps a person get better at it, right? Like, mind you, I'm well, that, No, that's 100% play. true, but I don't think I've reached the point of my point learning where, where, where I need that as part like of my, my learning. Will you feel comfortable doing that? Say again? Let's say four-stripe blue belt. Where, where do you feel comfortable doing that? I mean, that? it depends how I feel, four-stripe blue. If I feel like I know some things, then yeah, I'd probably teach a scissor sweep or something. That's fine. But like just where I'm at now, and there's no part of my game where I feel comfortable enough. Ooh, okay, so I'm going to do this now. Next class I teach where there's not solid curriculum, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put everybody on the spot. Tristan, I call you out. What are you teaching? What's your best thing that you want to teach? I'm, I'm going to teach oh, avoidance. Th- those are the worst classes. Because Why not? Yeah, you just got a bunch of people awkwardly standing around because and you, talking because very soft. You have, and they don't you have, really you know have, what to do. And it's, oh my God. it's entertaining for... For me. Yeah, but it's yeah. a disjointed class for the people that want to learn. That's why you got you, you to teach You need to have a certain level of confidence in yourself to be able to go forth and teach somebody in a way that they're going to listen to. Mm. Like, I can go through the motions of our scissor sweep, but people looking at me aren't going to believe that I know enough to be teaching a, anything. Just well, that, that I think you're being a little self-conscious there. I, I think it's fair to be like, I don't want to be the guy that I dislike, which is the unsolicited advice guy. I get that. But the fact that you're aware of it means that I think you're less yeah, likely you're to, like, you're yeah, less yeah, likely yeah, to exactly. fall into that trap. And the way you're going to present the information is probably going to be less from a position of authority and be like, this is what I know. Take it for what it's worth or however you want to frame it. That's pretty much how if I end up like showing someone yeah. or give, that's I, that's my disclaimer. Yeah, like, exactly. If anyone teaches you different, listen to them because I have sure. no idea. Yeah. Oh, OK. So unsolicited advice aside, jujitsu pet peeve. What's your first one? Name one. Uh, it's 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 the teachers. That's a big one. The the low rank teachers that gets me a no, lot. Aside from that, like unsolicited. aside from that, aside from that, what do you uh, what do you hate? Spazzy white belts. I think that's pretty universal. Like guys that just try to make up for not knowing any so what do you technique do? with just. What do you I do just then? control them. That's that's my whole thing. I'll just. Do you smash them or do you control them? 
I'll just control them. Unless they're really Ooh. being a dick. I try not to just outright smash people for no so far, reason. Noah. But well, two versus one on what? Of, of just control the guy. Well, what did I say? I, I You're think. like, I want to grind my elbow into his eye socket. Oh. And well, I'm like, yeah. no, I just wet blanket him and just tire him out. Uh, I mean, the honest truth is, if you, it, with a spazzy white belt, if you get them, if you're in a dominant position, they usually gas themselves out, like yeah, that's true. trying to like fight out of things, you know. Um, that's the one. That was one of the unless they're a wrestler. Yeah. yeah, but one of the things I learned pretty early on was the guys who were really experienced were very patient, and even still, I feel like I'm yeah. not patient enough when I grapple. Like I try to advance positions too quickly instead of just chilling. Keeping chilling the, to wait for them to make a mistake or chilling just for the right opportunity? Both. Making them more uncomfortable, slowly advancing. Like, like I could slowly improve my position even more. You know what I mean? Take it easy, Victor. Mr. Lubricated... The lubricated balloon. Lubricated That's what we water call it. I'm going to call you that from now. Hey, Mr. Lubricated... You're going to have to take that name into the cage with you now. Embrace it. Can you get the AC and shit? Yeah, I got you. Uh, See you, Leo. So, I totally booted that dog in the head earlier today. Oh, I was flipping over the wall and like I was stomping down. And I went poof, right on top of it. Oh. <laughs> He's back. Like, Coming to avenge animal cruelty. I know. Look, look at his. Look at these. Uh, look at these socks. Uh, first off, is that just general dog sock or is no? That, that's animal? Leo. That's actually Leo. Come on. Wow. I get stretched over your ankle. I can't tell whether it's actually. I've never seen you wear high ankle socks though. This is so weird. He's a good this is the only this is the only the only fashion that you can yeah. you can pull off. Socks with Leo's face on it. So Tristan, I noticed today. Speaking of fashion, unmatching top and bottom. Explain. Yeah, that's just how I roll, man. Oh, I like where this is going. Why do you do that? I'm not like you guys in your uniform color pajamas. Are you talking? Are you kidding? He's never white. He's never. I haven't matched in 12 years. (laughs) That was the thing. Like even when he got his black belt, I was like, nope, he's not matching. Nope, still not going to. Actually, you know what? It it comes from the fact that I prefer the uh, Datsusara pants, but I like the 93 brand light uh, jackets. Hey, they're not sponsored. So it's all mix and match. Let's let's calm it down there. Just don't name them. How many? Not that you can't be. Just you know, Tristan. Wait a minute. How many geese do you own? Uh, five. Real? Oh, that's that's quite the that's five full thing. sets and one extra set of pants. Why do you like the Datsusara pants? Uh, I I just like the hemp. It's just more comfortable. They're just floppy. They're just more comfortable, really. And then I like the lighter brand top because it's Florida. Yeah, it's true. Do you okay? Do you guys legitimately feel a difference between wearing like a heavier top versus a light? top? Dude, I'll bring in that hemp gi top, and you can wear that thing. It's actually, like, I do. I, I will certainly it's sweat like more, a weighted but vest. I actually prefer. Now I actually prefer heavier geese, but I won't wear them most of the time just because I'm lazy and I like the way they feel before I train. But a lighter gi gets totally soaked, yeah. whereas a heavier gi does not, plus the grips are better for a heavier gi. Whereas the grips are worse for the partner. Correct. Yeah. Better for me, more advantageous for me in the sense that my partners have harder times gripping. That's, yeah, the hemp gi tops, people just can just hold those it's forever. It's like a t-shirt, right? It's like, like, I don't know if it like massages their hand or something, but they just never have to let go. It's really annoying. So one more random thing here. So over the break, I was thinking about things. And I was watching Keenan and all the lapel guard stuff. And I started thinking about Lasso and Spider. And I was like, I think Nogi is a purer form, a more elegant form of jujitsu. Because I was like, at what point are we going to – at no point can we stop utilizing the 
the characteristics of the gi. Like, I can't tell Keenan, hey, you can't grab the lapel like this and do this stuff. But it's so, ar- it gets to the point where it's so arbitrary where I feel like now it's less elegant. Like, no doubt, like, using lapel guard is super efficient, you know? But it's like, you're, you're, I, I don't know. I, I'm not saying, it, within the rule set, you're doing any, everything totally legal, but I think it's less elegant. And I think, when I think of elegance, I, I go back to, like, wrestling's the oldest Olympic sport. And submission grappling is, I think, a better version of wrestling because it, you can have submissions. You're not going belly down, which is stupid in a fight. So I did no gi last night. And I was like, I'm a pure jujitsu practitioner. <gasps> Imagine that. I think that's mostly true. I mean, anytime you have a, a, a rule set, there's going to be sort of a, a deep game part of that that you only learn because it's that rule set and you can get away with it. But I also think there's a difference uh, working out here in Florida than if you work than if you're training somewhere where people are always wearing big jackets and pants and stuff. Then I think it becomes more useful. Do you think you're actually going to be in Toronto taking some guy's lapel from a jacket? I mean, that's the thing, though, right? Like, I, I mean, mean, but sleeve grips, pant grips, that stuff will all work. That's all universal, right? Like, there, I think there's. You can't really grab a T-shirt if you're here in Florida, but if someone's got a thick coat on, a belt on, long pants, I think. That I mean, makes jo- it a lot in John Wick, they do a lot of judo throws, and it looks cool. Sure, and and they're wearing suits, right? Yeah. Um, but that's the thing, though, right? Like, can you? And I think that's that's what we sort of not forget but like overlook is just the underlying and this is me just doing my, my middle of the road thing but like damn you chris don't like, take a side take a stance guy. i mean piss I, off half the people in the gym I mean, everybody gets a medal everybody knows that like I, I enjoy just gi right because like i can slow people down that sort of thing but at the same time it's like there is a certain amount of like universal jiu-jitsu that you should train for right like you should look at for for the principles like why did that and not to go back to that today, but like, why did that modified um, hip bump sweep work? Man, you were just con- just I'm determined to shame me it, on right? this podcast. Like, hey, you're welcome because I was the one that sent him the video. Yeah, yeah. He's like, I want to work on this. I'm like, well, let me try it. Um, but like, it it works because I controlled a sleeve. I broke down one leg of the table, and I swept in that direction. Yeah, but but the point of that sweep that I got was it's an easier sell than doing a traditional hip bump sweep where you have to come up all the way. Like the time it takes to enter with a traditional hip bump sweep is more than what the Galval version, which is what we're talking about. That was my thing. It was like, if you can hit this, it's, 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 it's a quicker entry time. Yes, agreed. Yeah, because the cross leave is there, right? Um, and plus, like, it's not predicated on you hopping up. But also, Danaher mentions a different setup for that, too, to, to address. Because he talks about, like, how, like, why is it that we learn, like, the hip bump sweep this way? Yeah. You know, like, in every intro class, you learn to, like, oh, do this, and they plant their hands, and blah, 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 and you do, like, you get make this frame. And, like, it literally never happens live. <laughs> like, but li- it's what we are taught from like well i agree with that and that's where preet i think is a good is good at challenging like what we do in class like he talks about you know we actually teach bad habits to the person on bottom a lot it's like when you're in half guard it's like oh we're gonna do the uh tripod pass and where does our opponent start flat on his back and we have the underhook it's like in reality the guy on bottom should never be on his back and should never be giving up the underhook. Like if you, it's like you've already achieved such a good position there. Same with side control. It's like we're almost conditioned through the reps we do to assume a terrible position in side control. 
on bottom, flat on the back. It's like, that's the goal of the top guys to pin us. But we pin ourselves because we're like, oh, when we start our side control duels, we do that. So I, I do agree with that, that subconsciously or, or without knowing we are enforcing terrible habits for the bottom guy based on start positions of drills. And we never tell the first guys in reality, you never want to have your shoulders on the mat just to let you know. We never say that. I think though, so like, I don't know if you remember during our little staff meeting, but like I had mentioned the idea of like, I, I always feel as though a curriculum should be taught in this way, right? Like you learn an attack for week one and then in week two, you should be learning defense or concurrently, right? Because that teaches just to speak in uh, Tristan's part, like the idea that the, the, the uke is never doing the right thing, right? Like, and, and shouldn't that just be a part of the curriculum regardless? Like, maybe the first part of the class we're learning purely like, let's say, just say for the sake of argument, like armbar from guard. And then, so that should be technique one. Technique two should be, okay, well, let's learn defense from the armbar, right? Like, so that, that forces both people to be working properly and it gives both people a good look at it, right? And it's not much different than what we're doing. Then week three. Well, now that the person's countering, this is the first counter to that. You're but, right. Like, but do so you and cut then your, you spend do a you year cut your doing limited class time in half to teach both sides of the technique too much and class. get in less, my opinion too much content. less drilling in on the first technique. Like it's so easy to, especially when you're new, to just forget what you learned because you move on so fast. Like. So what, what's the solution then? How do you, I, I don't how think do you there necessarily the is. I think everybody starts at white belt and they're going to start doing the wrong thing. I don't think you can teach everyone to be perfect out of the gate. You teach a tripod pass that way because white belts lay on their back. So that works at that level. Hmm. And then as people get better, then you add in and you add in and you know, people learn things intuitively. So Preet would argue the problem is no one should be rolling for at least three to six months. Oh, that's And I that's hate an that idea. Yeah, I, like, I think you're if you're coming in just doing technique, that that's the quickest way to drive people away. From not in his opinion, not that's the fault of the instructor not making the classes entertaining enough. And okay, that doesn't fair. mean that doesn't mean you can't have resistance. Like you make little games. So it's like if, if you have an armbar game, so you teach a guy an armbar right away. UFC, you just learned an armbar. You start GSP armbar. You know, Jeff Hardy, or not Jeff Hardy. Dan Hardy. <laughs> Dan Hardy, you know. Which actually did. He, <laughs> he armbar, but he couldn't finish him, yeah, you know. And he's like, okay, so why is that? And all that. Like, people might get excited about that. And if you teach the person how to resist, if the, you make the person resist, now suddenly you've got a little game. And you can, you can even do points. You can say, okay, you win five to three because you, you did ten rounds or you, you're the first to five. Isn't that essentially just... Game, so you're competing. You're, you're gamifying situational. Absolutely, one hundred percent. That's all it is. Absolutely. Right? Like, but that's a good mobile game too. Like a good mobile game is basically you doing a repeated boring action, but adding achievements and bells and whistles so you're incentivized to do it. And if we can do it with mobile games with tapping, why the hell can we not do it with jujitsu? Ooh. So Shots meta. fired. So meta. <laughs> I'm basically just copying what Preet says. Which, incidentally, is sort of like Hickson's thing, right? Like, isn't that what he added to the game, too? Is the idea of, like, the invisible jiu-jitsu of, like, finding every nuance of every position, of, like, starting in a bad position and working your way out of that, like, reverse engineering based upon just, like, where you're stuck? I mean, I think that's all true, but again, you know, everybody starts from zero, and you can't learn it all that fast. 
Like if you isolate it and do little games like that, that might be good. But I think at least me coming back, like, I don't know if I'd have stuck with it as long as if it was just like pure technique every day or even uh, maybe situation, situational drilling. I mean, I don't know about the whole like gamified thing. I don't think I've ever been in a class where they've tried that. So that might be a, an approach to it. But I find even having the sparring, even not knowing that much, it kind of gives you that that competition, that that head to head thing that sort of keeps me engaged. The primal we must fight. <laughs> so is that, is I mean, that I'm not an aggressive person. I'm not a person that wants to go out there and fight people, but I do find the competition of rolling in jujitsu classes, the draw, like I'll get through the technique yeah, cause I want to learn it. Yeah, but if I was fun. doing yeah, just technique, every, every class, it wouldn't be nearly as engaging as knowing that, you know, I'm going to have to try to use some of that technique at the end of the class. But so I think to argue Preet's point, it's, you might actually frustrate more students if you just let them roll because they get put in too many situations that they don't know how to deal with and they don't know why they're losing. So they don't know how to react. If they're, in, if they're intelligent enough to be like, I don't know this position, what I do, which I've encountered plenty of times, and I know we've lost students that have, like yeah, I know I for a fact we've lost students that I'd roll with them and they're like, I don't know what to do and they just get frustrated. I think both sides are true. I think people come in and they don't know anything so they don't feel like they get anything out of sparring. I think people come in that want to spar because that's kind of what... And they're, they're comfortable they with for. being lost and they just want to scrap. Chris is here. But I also kind of... <laughs> Chris, think have another beer, man. You need to, you need to open no, up. I'm just... I'm I mean, isn't that kind <laughs> no, of part of the, the deep water of jiu-jitsu, though? They say, you know, jiu-jitsu it should be hard, right? Like, we, it's made hard training quit. is it's part, made of, the, quit, part right? of the thing. It's why not everyone does it. It kind of what sort of differentiates jiu-jitsu from a lot of other martial arts is you spar. Everyone spars, and it sucks when you're and new, and you're going to get crushed, right? and that's a, a little bit of your crucible, right? Like, it's, it's not meant for everyone to be, like, easy and breeze through and be super happy all the time. You're going to have your, your suffer moments, your pressure points. Is that exclusive to jiu-jitsu, though? I don't, I don't think it is, right? Like, no, absolutely you, not. Yeah, you know, it's like it's... It, it's it's more evident when you're just getting tapped out and stuff like, and it's much more ego. But does it make jujitsu better, a better? Okay, now do we call it a sport? Do we call it a martial art? Do we call it a self defense system? I mean, it's all the above, right? It depends how you. Train. But I mean, it does it does, does it actually make it better that there's a there's like a a toughness component to it? I mean, do you like, guys think that everyone should do jujitsu? Do you think they yes. should try to make yeah, it appeal uh, to everyone? 100%. 100%. Yes. See, I'm, I'm kind of the other way. I feel like if you try to, to broaden it out and get everyone involved in jujitsu, you just dilute it. I, I think, think it, becomes, every- it becomes taekwondo. Ooh. And next, oh! thing you know, <laughs> next thing you know, everyone's trying to do you know, arm bars against dummies or, or breaking plastic boards. <laughs> oh, shots fired. Wow. Sorry, did I just crush taekwondo, Chris's dreams over there? Chris. I mean, it like, becomes taekwondo. Am I going to catch a wheel kick to the face next time we drill? <laughs> <laughs> no, and, and that's that's the thing, right? Like, um, oh, wow, like, <sighs> you did not expect this to happen. <laughs> okay, so is it a failure though? Like, I, I, I've had discussions about this with my buddy um, who coaches baseball, right? Like, and he's he's like this sort of like old school baseball coach where you sort of have to like weed people out based upon these like just. To, in my opinion, it's sort of like inane drills. Like, and how much of can't you broaden the population? Isn't it a failure of the coaches and not improving training methods? Because can't you? 
aren't you losing talent right now? Because like there is a nutrition bait, like what is it? Survivor bias. People just happen to stick around based upon whatever current ecosystem it is. We're losing potentially excellent jujitsu practitioners just, just because we're and failing I, I, to and, improve. And, and I'm gonna, See, I'm gonna, I disagree with that. I think really, I, I do. I think there is a certain mentality you need to either, you don't need to have right out of the gate, but you need to be able to, to develop that not everyone will. And I think that, that needs to be there somewhere for you to ever be good at jujitsu. But maybe the time for certain people to develop that is longer than others. And I don't think coddling people the first six months. Ooh! Oh! Fuck you, you entitled millennial bitches! Wow, <laughs> coddling. I'm not. I'm not saying you need to like you know be crushing crushing people to death their first three classes or anything. Ooh, but th- mind you, this is coming from the guy who started 15 years ago, whatever the case is. Yeah, so, but like, I quit because I was broke, not because they were hurting. That's me. what I'm saying. Like, so like you've experienced it, right? Like you you have a good idea of what it is, and and you meant you you entered it with that certain mentality. Like, but it's also a thing. Like I, my first ever like competition thing ever was wrestling in high school, and I wasn't good at it. I'll say that I was not a great wrestler. But you still develop that sort of that that crushing pressure, that being used to somebody like aggressively trying to manipulate you. So in some I'm, way gonna, or another. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna. So take- I don't know what it's like if you start jujitsu in your 30s and you've never like had you know never gone head to head with someone like that before. I don't well, know, that was me. I different. never I never had contact sport, and I started in my 30s. But I would say. So I'm going to take the conversation to a place that we're, none of us are qualified to discuss, but I think this That's comes been in this whole podcast. Yeah, me. I know. Well, I, I think, I think this plays a role in females in jujitsu. Like, I don't think it's fair on anybody, male or female to say, you need to be able to deal with the suck within a certain time period in order to continue, whether we call it coddling or not. And I definitely Wait, think does you the could, suck stop at some point. Is that, it gets better. <laughs> I mean, okay, but, but my point is, but my point is that whole coddling, or you know, for lack of a term, like the coddling part, it's like. But is that is that just? I mean, like, so. God, we're, we're just, are we expecting women to be bros like from the get go and but, handle but, that? But does it require to be a bro to be good at jujitsu? It doesn't, right? Like, so like, all the women right now are wincing, so I understand that. No, no, like, no, I get like, that, right? like and I'm <laughs> everyone's like. Fuck. I honestly don't Dude's think it's as to, much what do you the call physicality that keeps women out of jujitsu as it is the the sort of. Culture. Like culture? Yeah. Really? Okay, so like, let's look at it. Do you feel as though... And the mansplaining. None of us are... are We're mansplaining. We're all mansplaining. But like, just from the standpoint of like, I'll use the Gracie Academy as an example, right? Like, they have Eve Gracie teaching... I think she's like a purple belt or something at this point. She's teaching... She was also a professional wrestler. I, I, but like, it, it's a women-centered class. It's called like Women Empowered. So it's like marketed considerably different. Like, is jujitsu in our sort of like perception of it so pure that it should apply to all genders, blah, blah, blah. Or should it be taught in a different way to women because of just the, you just described it, the culture of it that somebody sort of needs to adopt. So the, and maybe this is the survivor bias, but the women that I've asked that specific question to here have unif have, all said they do not want a women's only class. Every one of them. Is that because... If you're a woman that wants to be able to use jujitsu, like you're learning it because you, you might need it someday for whatever reason, like I don't think it does anybody any good to, to have like lower intensity classes or... or oh! I, 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 
wow, lower intensity. Oh, everyone, all right, wow. Tristan, Tristan just got to say this. In lower intensity. You saying women go lower intensity? Is just no. Have you different. seen how fucking hard women go with each other? They beat the not, fuck out of each other. That was not intended. That's what I heard. That's what he said. You don't need to. No, no. I'm gonna be over here while I get whatever that was out of the system. Stacy, Stacy is like sharpening. She's like, I don't know what you call it when you said having an all women's jujitsu. Like, what is the differentiator there? Taught by a woman. It's taught, you know. I don't, like, I don't think it, I don't think it matters like who's message. teaching it or how many Everyone people are in the class or, or any of that stuff. No, and I, I agree with you. Right? I said, like, when, me, when you like, said teach it differently, I assume that's what you meant. Like oh, going think, easier. Like I think so. Like should jujitsu because to me jujitsu just should just be taught as jujitsu. Like technique versus technique. These are scenarios you encounter. Blah blah blah. Right. Agreed. But part of that is you go with everybody that's in class. I, that I agree. You with don't you have problems with. So, but like it's just from the standpoint of I'm trying to empathize with a woman and and just the culture of it right like because a lot of people even men are uncomfortable with the for lack of a better term intimacy of learning jujitsu right like it's you are super close to somebody and and we're not like a like a kiss each other on both cheeks type of culture like that still freaks me out right like i don't know what to do with that when some cuban tries to do that to me um I mean, I would also say that that so I lived in Spain. It's like just because you you say hi to someone with with besos or besitos on Is the that cheek, what those things are? yeah, besitos, okay. besos, besitos, uh, doesn't necessarily that doesn't mean that you're suddenly comfortable with someone sweating and their sternum in your face. You know what I mean? I mean, but it's a it's a step closer than shaking somebody's it's hand. It's a step closer, but the two are still I but think pretty mutually Like I feel as though jujitsu should be taught us like just the the purity of jujitsu should just speak itself right but the fact of the matter is humans have certain perceptions about certain things and culture has certain perceptions about things where it needs to be taught a different way well i think what what i think is going on here what i feel is what's the argument against keeping novices in their own safe space until they're ready to defend themselves against everybody in open roles agreed but that's also predicated on the idea that the instructor is going to use that sort of progressive resistance. I mean, like, what do you? What is the progressive resistance of, of starting out as a woman's only class? What do you find like the most effeminate male you can, and like bring them in and like, all right. No, I think no, we've eliminated. We, I think we've 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 tabled the women's only class. We've established like. Well, from in your guys' dis- perspective, is this the thing where women just don't want to get into this thing and roll with men right away, or is it like an intensity and, and strength thing out of the I, gate? I, like, I don't know, that, and that's where just from in, in my opinion, in my most women, and by most women, I mean my wife, like she just doesn't want to roll with guys. Like that's that's her thing. So my so so I will say this. Like I said, everyone, the females I've talked to have universally told me, no to the fe- women's only class. The ones that train here. They're also blue belts who've been at it. And that but would be a class of approximately here. three to four people. But they're, right, the one, yeah. but they're the ones also training. So are there, is there a population of women like your wife that as a barrier to entry, they wouldn't go because they I don't? I, I think so maybe women, there are. Yeah. I, think I don't know. I, I think and and are, actually, to be fair, I do recall Tiffany telling me like maybe as a way to introduce people, yes. you have a, a women's only class. But that was the only thing. When it came to just training, it was... Train with everybody. You I know? think it's a matter of like comfort, right? Like so. <laughs> Again, we're talking There's about something. Guys, yeah, right? we, we at this point we need to bring in the women. So, Stacy, Michelle, Amanda, Alexia, we're all gonna have you on, and you can educate us. Which Michelle's training again, by the way? She she checked out some gym. Well, I was talking about uh, 
uh, Lexi, like Danny and Michelle, that Michelle. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. But, oh, yeah. yeah, Michelle Sanchez up in Connecticut is training again. She is trying to toehold upper belts, so this is good. I'm, I'm happy that she, <laughs> she's doing that. But I think, I think we're, the, the situation that, that I've seen that I think is preventable is the students that come in feel lost and quit. And they feel lost for a variety of reasons. But I do think throwing them into the deep end, sure, they're people that, whether it's their comfort with close proximity, whether it's previous grappling background, like, oh, I wrestled a little bit. Like, they don't give a fuck. They'll just go in and, yeah, and do their thing. And they get triangled a bunch of times. Like, oh, cool, you triangled me. What is that, you know? But I do think there are people that are intrigued, that do have the athletic ability, that would be comfortable with the physicality of it if they knew why they were losing. Meaning they had enough, they had, they were gradually onboarded and they reached a point where they kind of understood the basics. And then if they, quote, lose, they get smashed by someone better, they at least are aware why they, quote, lost. Is that, is that an ego thing? Like people come in and they get smashed right away and like some people can handle that and some people can't. Some people see it as like, okay, I don't know anything. Of course, I'm going to get smashed and they move on. But I think another no, person will be like, you know, that I take that. Very how personally. people react. Like, I mean, Chris has told me like when I've gotten my beatings for various reasons, like he thought my reaction was different from most people's because I didn't take anything personally when I got, you know, I didn't get the shit kicked out of me, but I got roughed up a little bit on various occasions. Listen to the archives for the story on how on those they involved Ryan Wilkerson. <laughs> anyway, uh, but I do think, and this is a pre, this is a pre thing, so I'll, I'll I'll cite him again. People get frustrated when they lose and they don't know why, and they get addicted when they lose and they know why, because then they want to come back and correct what they did wrong. So that's that's an ego thing too, right? Like, what's what's the coolest question that somebody can ask you after you've rolled? Why didn't this work? Or, you know, like, did this, did you feel this? Or, like, or whatever, like, because, like, I'm, 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 my submission defense is fairly okay. Like, that's probably, like. <laughs> what a Chris Boo thing. Fairly okay. <laughs> it's fairly okay. Like, that's probably, like, you know, and, and it's just, like, it comes back to, like, just my relaxed nature when I'm grappling and that sort of thing. And, you know, a lot of times people will think they have something locked on. They'll sit there and grind or whatever it is. And I'll just sit there and just stare at them and whatever the case is, right? And, and one of the better things things I feel as a training partner, as a student, as a whatever, is when somebody asks like, hey, did that work? Why didn't it work? Right? Like, and I'm able to tell them like, oh, you get across my jaw, which is more likely than not the case. Or like, you just didn't have this grip tight enough or whatever the case is. Or like, your, you know, your weight was dis- was placed incorrectly here and, you know, that sort of thing. So like, doesn't that sort of boil down to quote Matt Thornton actually? the people who are successful in the long run or who get quicker or get better quicker are always the ones who have like the innate curiosity of why things work a certain way. Right. Versus like just doing the how and the what, but also the why, like the why I think is what really differentiates somebody from training long run versus some, I mean, and really, really becoming like the, just that solid jujitsu artist versus just somebody who's good at doing five things. But it's also not only about technique. I mean, coming in, if you've never grappled before, you never wrestled before, there is a, I think, a huge, 
don't know if you call it a learning curve, but there's a, a, a learning cliff, a learning cliff of yeah. just, just being controlled by another person and trying to control another person. It's like any other sport you start. You don't have those muscles yet. You don't know what you're doing. You're not coordinated. So you're going to have a lot of that on top of not knowing anything. Like, so I sort of had a little bit of the grappling when I started just, you know, from ancient memories of, of high school or whatever, or my original training, but my whole force, you know, few months was after every class talking to Paul was like, well, I got stuck here. How come I didn't, you know, cause I, I could still move people, but I didn't know anything. But if you come in and you don't know how to move people, you've never had that style of, uh, athletic ambition and you, and you don't have the technique, then I think it's kind of. It, it doesn't really matter that you don't know anything because you also don't have the, the muscle memory. You don't have those muscles to use. But you're also not willing to ask the question, right? Like a lot of people would just storm off the map being and just have their well, ego Well, some defeated, people right? are and some people aren't. I've seen people come in that have no athleticism that come in and they stay for a month and, and they leave. And I've seen people come in that were wrestlers and they come in and they, they, so, they ask a ton of questions and they're still gone after a month. So, would you, so I don't think it's just that you know, that's one a, thing. That's a very, very would you say that would you say that when you have a new student, you should bring them in, put them in, have, have a higher belt, mount them, and have them stay there for two minutes? And be like, if, you, if you're okay with this feeling, you can stay, you'll be okay at jujitsu. Is that like, at a very, I know it's like an oversimplified kind of scenario, but. Because you got to give them fucking hope. Yeah, they gotta have like they gotta have a chance to go against another white belt and be on top for a minute and like feel that there's something there. And and this is just me speaking from, from doing multiple. Like you just said, you literally just hit the nail on the head. You said you give them a sense of hope, right? Like, and I think there was something to when I was a purple belt doing intros at Winter Springs. Like one of the coolest things that just automatically flips people's heads into like selling them on jujitsu is. I mount you, you can't get me off. You mount me, I do these simple little things, and I can escape. That's easily one of the biggest selling points to any untrained person. And I think that it's important to have that a personal connection with somebody, um, training with like a higher belt, like you said, who can sort of like calibrate where somebody is, also with like a a good first impression of jujitsu, right? Like... I, I wouldn't stick like a brand new person with somebody who's just an absolute killer on the mat. Like, you know, it, it, I'm not naming names, but like there are just certain people who I would stick them with, certain people I wouldn't stick with them with. And I think that's a big part of being an instructor that's learned over time too, is learning how to read the room, read your audience, right? Like, and, and, and learning how to truly, truly sell jujitsu. Like, because that's that's the ultimate goal of of being a black belt for me at this point is bettering the sport, right? Like, so giving that sense of hope is a huge thing and put it, and a big part of that is predicated on putting them with the right person. I, I kind of think jujitsu is jujitsu and you do it and you're either into it or you're not. I think if you're, if you're trying to slowly bring into it, you might keep them an extra six, eight months, but at some point they're going to run into jujitsu and you can either grind it through goes. it or you can't. It's a hard thing. It is a hard sport to do. And, you know, you can, you can slow walk them to that if you think 
they're gonna Tristan like with the clickiness. He's like, it's tough. You're either tough or you're not. No, no, no. It's not. It's not elitism. Because I'm not. I'm not the top guy in this gym. I never will be. So I'm getting crushed as hard as anybody. But you gotta. You know, I'm gonna accept that there are gonna be days like that. You know, I'm gonna go with Ryan. I'm gonna get my wrist broken or hurt. I'm gonna go with Xander. I'm gonna get crushed and not be able to breathe. But that's part of the game. I'm gonna have rounds where I'm on top and someone's having a bad day under me. That's just the sport. And if you slow walk people to it, then they'll get there in six or eight months instead of, you know, the first week. But we do get, you know, we don't make anybody go roll with anybody on their first day. If you want to sit out your first month and just watch, nobody's going to shame you for that. It's not like a thing where like, you need to get out there and start killing people or you suck and we're going to make fun of you. There's none of that culture in jujitsu. Everybody's cool. You do as much as you can do and nobody's judging you for it. And I think that's the part that you need, but you can't change what jujitsu is, which is difficult, grindy, uh, exhausting maybe i'm too idealistic like uh well i i think i've 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 said this multiple times i think jujitsu is a young sport i think jujitsu is even younger when it comes to people figuring out how the best way to teach it i think the wrestling room is probably more like you could talk to i'm guessing i could be wrong but i would i would guess that if you went to a wrestling if you got 10 top wrestling coaches and you gave them a new student they'd probably do kind of the same stuff with them I would guess. Maybe I'm wrong. So I'm, I'm, I'm predicating on, on that hypothesis. You mean the same stuff as like... The they, would, they, would teach, they, would pre- they would teach them the same material. Like the, the way they would teach that person material-wise would be kind of the same. Oh, whereas a jiu-jitsu coach when might start from anywhere. And, yeah. yeah. So... No, uh, yeah. Okay. And I think if you went to 10 different jiu-jitsu schools, they're going to start you all over the place. And I think we haven't figured out as a community, as, as, a, as, as coaches, what the best way to teach jiu-jitsu is. But I also think it's a result of being sort of a, a wider breadth of technique in jiu-jitsu. Agreed. That's what I was, I was Yeah, I Wrestling do. is very powerful, but it's very focused. It does yeah, a few like, things really, really well. Yeah. And to put you on your back. Right? Exactly. Like, <laughs> like, Single leg, double leg, pin, and then there's some sort of periphery techniques and, and like, some details. Like, or like but, boxing too and nothing against I mean, boxing, you can have but it's, all it's, kinds of different jujitsu games. four punches, right? Like just done in different combinations at different timing, right? Like so you're always going to learn a jab first, just like you're always going to learn a double leg or a drop step first, right, in wrestling. With jujitsu, like, man, there's, there's so much because... There's so much person, and so much that the, works. The bottom person. Yeah, you know, exactly. a lot of martial arts have, you know, deep catalogs, but you don't only ever use a handful of techniques. I think jujitsu, depending on your athleticism, your body type, your weight, people have crazy different styles and they all work. Yeah, and they all work because they, they, they can make it work for them. But there, there have to be some certain fundamentals amongst all those. And I think we're, to Noah's point, maybe we're still trying to figure out what, what is the first stuff that you need to learn in terms of those fundamentals, like, you know, things like it's easy to say like shrimping, right? We can all agree. Shrimping is very important because it's a fundamental move in jujitsu, a drop step. I I, honestly, I think shrimping comes in too early. Like I I don't think early. Yeah. It's, it's, I don't think jujitsu is everyone says that that's That's like jujitsu baby. Here's the thing. No, here's the thing. The shrimping window on the mat. I challenge you to see, to show people that actually do that. When they roll, but I think it's again, it's that movement, it's developing that hip escaping and moving that way. One hundred percent, shrimping the way we show shrimping. I never see anyone do a shrimp like that. I shrimp when all the time. Where? I shrimp anytime. I shrimp literally all the time. Okay. Like like I frame and I pull my knee to my like that's that's shrimping. That's not the shrimping window on the mat. I would argue. 
see I, for me you when you're talking shrimp you're talking you about when we're like drilling like doing warm-ups and yes stuff? i would say yeah, the shrimp for me that's more about just developing those muscles being able to turn like that like if you don't have that that's a new thing like that the, you have to the develop two points of contact my feet like if you watch me shrimp that's literally what i'm doing okay i i believe you but i also think what you're doing is mirroring what you're doing in practice i think when you show someone the shrimp that's not the actual shrimp that they do live Okay, that's that's a hundred percent fair. Okay. Yeah, I do it because it works for me, and I figured out over time that I need to modify your basic turn on your side, reach for your toes, push on your feet, like to like inverting my knee and that sort of thing. I agreed, a hundred percent. So maybe is that a failure that we need to, as as coaches, need to eliminate, right? Like these. But to Tristan's but point, but do you which need I do to do that because? I think you have a valid point. People will about develop it at, at different speeds and stuff, but if you're talking about learning jujitsu, getting to a black belt, you know, you're going to be in it for 10 to 12 years and you're going to get this nuance one way or another. But right. We should go further faster. Shouldn't we? I mean, you could, but I think the only way to really do that is to train more and train. So are you an advocate of just of like, I ju- just roll and you'll get better over time. No, not just roll. You need to have techniques. You need to have people you can discuss things with and drill things with. There's a huge mental component to it, but a lot of what you learn you're going to develop from training with people at different skill levels. And that's where you're, what's the, your the most of your practical of, jiu-jitsu is. What's your, what's, yeah, yeah, what's, what's your breakdown? What's your like, if, if, you, if, if you could say, um, what's your, out of 100%, what percentage of your roles, in your opinion, ideally, do you want to be with higher skilled, equal skill, and lower skill? I would say fairly evenly distributed. The higher the belt like higher than me so it's just probably three. the less i'll train with that person just because at some point they're not going to get anything going with me because i'm going to do everything wrong and it's gonna be well easy. no no and i'm not going to get anything because i'm just going to get crushed we're, we're just we're, for simplification we're classifying people in three groups they're the ones better than you the ones that are the same level as you and the ones that are of lower level than you so most of my roles will be against other blue belts or purple belts if i can so choose equal for level. myself equal level or slightly better Okay, so that would be what, 50%, 60%? 50%, 60%. Okay. And the next then, down would be lower belts, so white belts, and then the, 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 smallest. the smallest will be brown and black belts. So like, What's your ideal, though? Ideal. Like if What's you, your ideal ratio of that? Of that. So, I don't know, 50%, 60% blue and purple, probably 20% white, and everything else brown, black. Okay. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow, that's, that's a... I think it's very useful to just get worked by a black belt every once in a while, just to because sh- you, you have to see what it's like at that level. Like, you have to feel it, Chris. You got. I mean, <laughs> in order to do it, you have to feel it. If you're just going with white belts, you know, you're gonna feel like feel like you know stuff, and it's a different thing when you suddenly slide over and you go with Ryan or you go with Chris, and it's just like. You know, Ryan's. Oh, Chris, just, don't Chris, me in there, like, right? like, Chris isn't putting the hurt on anybody. No, yeah, Chris like, was going to stymie, really but not. he's not going to put the hurt yeah, on. But exactly. it's a whole other style. It's me. I can go as hard as I want. He's still going to be asleep. Yeah, like, yeah, it's that's still that's, a different that's, thing. Okay. You know me Chris well. is like, yeah. yeah, that's what I want. Right. It's still a different thing. Like Chris is so happy with that description. I, mean, like, that's, that's I want, I want, I want everyone to be the the big bad wolf, huff and puff, yeah. and I'm just sitting there deadpan. Yeah. like just go ahead and get your so tired. so Tristan um, as we kind of wind things down here what two questions what are your goals for 2020 that's the first so question futuristic. yeah oh man I don't know right now my only focus is to just be able to get out of turtle because it's where I okay I just get stuck all the time I mean other than that I'm still you know I still feel like I don't know anything you know I'm still trying to gather techniques mm-hmm. I'm still I still feel like I'm, I'm just at the bottom rung just trying to absorb knowledge 
So like at some point I'd like to know enough to actually develop a jujitsu game. But right now I'm focused on like not falling into the same traps that I do mm-hmm. most of the time and just sort of branching out from where I do end up okay. and, and just gathering. I feel like I'm still gathering technique. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. With more YouTube with like YouTube, uh, trying to Instagram, do, trying to reinforce what I'm learning in here with YouTube. So nice. I'll, I'll go and look for variations on things we learned in class on YouTube, but I try not to just fall down the rabbit hole. So who's that? Oh, one? you're doing. Uh, oh, you're 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 an R account. Okay, yeah, never mind. Okay, I thought you were following that person. No, man, I ain't <laughs> okay. <Jesus. I> gotta <laughs> so the the final question is this: What is one of your fondest jujitsu moments? Fondest jujitsu moments. Uh, I don't know. The whole thing in, in the Caribbean was pretty cool. Um, oh, it's not even in our gym. He's oh like, my god! <laughs> Good but, day, sir. But I could only do that because I'd spent the time here. Like I was, I was in it because of, of this gym. I mean, I, I really like training here. I, I sort of like the whole thing the the training partners are fantastic the coaches here are fantastic oh there you go he's so making i think it i have a, a consistently good training experience all around but what's your fondest memory what's your fondest memory or a fond memory blue, blue belt what, like, memory. like with promotions what, every time i get noah's back i get pretty excited about that what was that i don't recall i don't recall ever that happening <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i mean i was i was when i was thinking about that question to ask you i was trying to think myself and I know there's some moments. Honestly, what I can tell you, it was an impactful moment is when I was early on when I had my first sweep as a white belt. And it just, the bell went off. I was like, physics, leverage. Do you remember what it was? I don't really. I don't remember what it was. But I just remember, it might have been a pendulum sweep. That's true. The first time you hit a technique in live rolling that you never got before is just, that's the highlight of the whole thing. Yeah. Make sure you're screaming out when you do that. <laughs> yeah, that's you get up, one hand in the air, run around the gym, yell. No, you don't do that. But. You have to scream out technique of the day. Like that's. I think I do that to me. Unspoken when I was like, um, and and I will say the end of the story. Yeah, don't be don't Chris Boo where you, you sweep an unsuspecting blue belt and then take a parade lap around. So the mat. I, I think this is my first or second week, and. Uh, and a guy got me in a cross choke and he submitted me and I feel like it was the first time he submitted anyone. He's also a white belt. And he literally... Is he still here? No, he's not. Oh. He literally like put his, fi- he put his fists up in the air and was like, yes! And I looked <laughs> at him and I, I was like, really? Okay. Then he disappeared for a while and then he came back and I was almost a blue belt and I beat the fuck out of him. <laughs> Ooh, so unspoken rule. Do you guys talk about with other people? I mean, not on the podcast. Who you tap out and who you don't? Oh, 100%. I usually don't unless do unless record? I get like a new submission or something. Say again. No, do I don't keep, keep a record. record. No, I, I keep mental. Keep record, no. I, I keep a mental note. I don't have a jujitsu journal. Let's no, maybe, I keep maybe a mental note. I, I keep a mental note. Like for example, if if I go with a guy like Ryan Wilkerson, it's like it's whether or not. And again, this goes back to what I said before. It's like you're assuming whenever they tap you, they're going 100, percent and and you're not. And then when you tap them, they're obviously going 100. Like you always overvalue you and undervalue what that person's doing and assume that they're working their hardest where they could be practicing stuff. Like I go with Mike Sahibi. He's going into deep half. I know Mike Sahibi doesn't go into deep half normally. You know what I mean? <laughs> but it's like, if I get a pass, I still like for a split second, like I passed his guard. It's like, that's because he's practicing a guard he's never practiced before and he's never on his back by choice. Like he's never on his back involuntarily it's I always by choice because you're a mindful training partner and that the fact that you recognize that somebody like Mike Sahibi typically doesn't go onto his back yeah but my, my point is 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 just this and, and JB's even said he does this it's like when you're starting out 
it was like you could gauge your progress by how much higher belts would tap you out. It's like if you went with a higher belt and they tapped you out three times, then you went with them a month later and they tapped you out twice, that was a sign of improvement. Whether or not that person was actually doing the exact same stuff, because it's very likely that that person was also, I'm going to practice like Imanari rolls, you know what I mean? And they do different stuff. But, you know, for the guys that are consistent rollers like Ryan Wilkerson, you know, Ryan does try different stuff, but he's a good, I, I love rolling with him because he's a great grappler and he gives a consistent look for the most part. His, I would say his variety oh, is, the is he's more focused in terms of what he does than other people, you know? So I definitely think people do that. And, and I don't think it's wrong to, I don't think it's bad. It's, it's a way to, it's one way of measuring progress. It's like, at least from a defensive point of view, am I protecting my neck? Am I protecting my joints? That sort of thing. I was, I was much more concerned about not getting tapped out than tapping out other people for, for most of it. Now it's more broad. It's just there are people I feel like I should be competitive against and it should be back and forth. And there are people I feel like I should be able to dominate most of the time. And there are people I feel like I should, I should just be defending most of the time. Mm-hmm. And, and just that's sort of how I gauge my progress is I feel like I should be, we should have this kind of match and that's where I should be. And then there are people that I feel like I should be doing better than, worse than. And then if I see myself start to slip down, like against Mike, Ooh, uh, so that's I've one. A, that's the one guy so I that like, to, I have I felt to, real competitive against that he's just sort of started to surpass me. So now I have to which, which Mike? Big tall Mike. Sahibi. 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 What other mic is there? Uh, well, I don't know. Maybe uh, good question. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. Like one mic exactly. This but like so, like mic. Xander. Like right now, I feel like I'm slightly better than him, but he's right on my heels. Like, Ooh, if Xander! I, oh! if, if I slip a little bit, you know, that weight is gonna is gonna start hurting me if he learns the technique. Yeah. Or when he learns Whoa. the technique, I should say. Yeah. He listens to the podcast, right? Who? Xander does. Oh, he does. He does. Oh, Xander! Shout out to you. Xander. Oh, you get called out. <laughs> Oh, we got a cage. Kumite time. Yeah. I'm going to walk into class five minutes before it's over when he's tired, and then that's when I dominate. Chris, do you have a fond moment? That's an interesting question. Um, And then we'll wrap things up. I mean, it's really hard to overshadow at this point, like getting my black belt a couple weeks ago. Like, that's not the pinnacle, but like it. it, The man tears were shedded. It meant a lot. Like, it's just, you know, like it, it, whether or not it actually. When he started talking about you, you started blinking back the tears. Oh, right. dude. Like, you could see, like, it's funny because Eric Jinanani got, like, video of me behind. And mm-hmm. he, he could see me, like, I'm literally, like, starting to put my head down in my lap and that sort of thing. Because I realized, like, what he was doing. Um, so that, that meant quite a bit. But also, like, getting, getting my purple belt meant a lot, too. Because um, I literally just walked into class one day and Jose was like, he just stopped class and was like, hey, man like get up here real quick oh yeah you got that with what jose figueroa yeah yeah and that 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 meant a whole lot too um those two two things were really cool just because like i i'm i'm really a guy who enjoys the process and stuff and and for just getting i guess some sort of external validation for it is nice even though i you know i say i don't seek it but i guess and subconsciously i sort of do it's it's nice to know that i'm improving if anything um noah like i said i think the the sweep the the sweep sweep was was fun. I mean I've had f- I've had like funny moments on the mats, um, but in terms of fond moments, uh, I will say this. I, I will say it, it it hit me when I got my when I did the gauntlet for my blue belt. 
I was just gonna and say that when I survived the gauntlet for my blue belt. Now that I think about it, that, that's that, the one. That kind of it actually. And here's the funny thing: it didn't hit me after the gauntlet, but what happened was Victor grabbed me to roll my, the final like five minutes. Mm-hmm. But Paul hadn't rolled with me, so Paul came rushing over and like bumped him off. Yeah. So I never got to roll with Victor, and Victor was already a blue belt at this point because Victor had gotten his blue belt at the previous promotion. So then right after that gauntlet, he grabbed me. He's come on, man, I owe you a roll. And after I rolled with him, he, you know, he gave me a hug and like, congratulations. And that's when it hit me. And I had to kind of go off to the side and kind of gather. Paul? No, no, from no, Victor, from Victor. From Victor. Oh, and then I had to kind of go off to the side and kind of gather myself a little bit. And that's when it, for whatever reason, I, I don't, I mean, a year is not that long of a time. I certainly was kind of geared in on when to get the blue belt and, and, and studying the, the material and stuff. But it was just something with someone that you train with so much. Like in, in my case, I train a lot with Victor. And I don't know, it was just, it was just weird. It just, it just kind of hit me. And I was just kind of like there and it was cool. But that was like an emotional moment. It was a cool moment. I don't know, sometimes you get a flashy move. You're like, hey, that's fun. You know, anytime I tap Victor, that's always memorable. <laughs> you know, if he taps me, that's a, that's a sad day. <laughs> but I think, um, I think like Tristan said, it's like we're in a knowledge onboarding kind of thing. So there's just a lot of fun in learning new techniques and uh, plenty of opportunities to hit those new techniques and get that, ooh, that validate, not validation, but that positive uh, reinforcement when you actually do it and it works. So I think that's that's pretty cool too. We're out of booze, and I think we're out yeah, of. Chris is still like I'm pondering. Su- I'm super hungry. Chris going. Oh, into you're deep super hungry over here. I'm thinking. Come, I'm, I'm, come on, man. You, you can't break your fast. Jesus. What are you talking about? <laughs> you're doing I'm, your I'm window. Almost at 24 hours. <laughs> oh my god. All right. Well, we'll get, we'll get some food in I here. I need like a like a Popeye's chicken sandwich. Uh, we'll start talking about food. Yet. Some of us have several hours. Yeah. Guilty Jesus pleasure food. Come on, man. What is it, Tristan? What's that? Guilty pleasure food, man. All, all food, man. Are you kidding me? Look at me. All food is. I mean, if I feel like I've trained hard and I'm calorie deficient, I'll go to Five Guys. Ugh. What? Overrated. That's your go-to burger is Five oh, Guys. What? Oh god. my god. So overrated. <laughs> all right. Well, I'll take the I shame think for that one. You're fucking clouded by peanuts on the floor. <laughs> Which actually you're not supposed to do. I I realized that after several times. No, that's that steakhouse where they do that. You get to you get to crunch through that whole restaurant because they refuse to sweep the floor like it's cool. Oh man. Well, Tristan, thank you for sharing. Thank you. Yeah. I'm oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah. All right.